This is a quote. He said he is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. He also said that President Trump led the Moscow Tower negotiations through the campaign. The Republicans, to a T, spent their time highlighting all the reasons that Michael Cohen could not be trusted and could not be believed. You're saying it's, it costs too much money when we do it? It's too much money, man. Come on, dog. Welcome to the south of the streets. Coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation. With real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Because right, that's the, what, what's that? Up, oh, let's get ready. Hey. Just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, March 2nd, 1.13 p.m., episode 51. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports, all completely built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless and tireless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I am Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, we have Michael Cohen's congressional public hearing, the North Korea summit, we have a little bit more talk on uh, Venezuela and the ever-evolving situation down there. And uh, we're going to hit on uh, what we can do or what we should do about these ISIS brides, as they are so-called. Yeah. And that and probably a whole lot more. It's kind of... We have some basic topics we want to hit, but it's going to be kind of a grab-baggy show again. Yeah. Other than that, I think that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Before we hit the social media and everything, I just wanted to address some of the things. Last week, we... Housekeeping, we'll call it. Housekeeping. That's nice. Um, Housekeeping. Last week, we started the show by talking about an email that Morgan sent to us. Um, Before I address that, I want to address my listening face, which I don't know if I've talked about before, but I noticed it last week, and it looks like I just don't give a fuck about what you're saying, you know? Because I'm, like, looking over here, and I'm just, like... Because we're professionals, bro. Yeah, and so I'm really... I'm going to... I implore everybody to work with me while I figure out adjusting to the cameras because I just got used to the one camera and then we got another camera and now I don't look at either of them. So I'm trying to be better about it. So forgive me. I am listening. I am a little bit stoned, but I am also listening to what he's saying. So that's it. So anyway, because I noticed it when we were when we were talking about the letter. Um, Start to bother so, you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, excuse me. So. Yeah, sometimes the audio doesn't translate perfectly well with with the video. It's bad. Yeah. Um, so I only have three small notes. Excuse me. God damn it. All right. I think I'm good. The three small notes about what I said last week about Morgan's letter. Right. Um, the first one is that in her letter, she said she doesn't feel like the president has deserved any respect. Right. And I didn't address that, but I'd like to address this now, right? Because, okay. because she said said something to the fact that I, you could argue that he deserves a little bit of respect because of the office that he holds, but she doesn't believe that he's earned her respect, right? So, 
And this may be like a nitpicky differential, but I would maybe think of this as like an easier way to think about it, right? Okay. Is that the office does deserve respect, right? Because the office of the American president is possibly the most powerful position that exists on the planet, right? The president, however, that exists right now, Donald Trump, has done nothing to earn your respect. That I agree with because I don't super respect Donald Trump as a person. And when he's not the president anymore, I'm not going to respect him. I respect the office and I respect that he is handling the business for America, whether or not I like it. He is the one that is going and doing summits with North Korea. He is the one that is doing fucking national emergencies and and doing things these things you know he's working on tax cuts he's doing all this stuff whether or not we like it whether or not we love it whether or not we hate it he's the person that's doing that so i respect the office i don't respect the man you know like i said maybe that's like a nitpicky or like a like a splitting hairs type of thing but for me it's an easier way to think about it i think it's pretty fair so i think it might be an easier way for maybe morgan or other people to think about it and i can understand the point of view from people who just can't see past that see past the the person that's sitting in the chair yes i can totally see that and i don't hold it against anybody necessarily it's more of uh, i don't know how you'd want to put that you know it's just when it comes to certain conversations you have to be able to separate the two you know just like aoc as a person and aoc as a representative correct for her district it's it can be very hard to separate the two because there is so much intertwined in in the two of them. Yes, but especially with a such a, a symbolic office like the uh, the presidency. Yeah, it can personality really matters to a lot of people. You know, especially when he is taking the the lead on North Korea, which we'll talk about later. Yes, um, and just going it's seemingly like he's running. It's like the CEO of America Corp coming into North America or North Korea Corp sitting down after all their minions had done their stuff. And then, you know, if he gets up there and says some stupid shit, that makes the whole company look bad. Right. right. It's the same the right. same idea. Um, which actually kind of not that part. But when you're talking about individuals and AOC, that kind of leads into my second point. So when we were talking about people's identities and women and stuff. My mom actually called me this week and told me that she was not happy about the way that, about some of the stuff that we said at the beginning of last week's show when we were addressing Morgan's letter. So I'm interested to talk to my mom about that. Um, and I'll let you know what she says. Um, but my note on this, right, is that when we're talking about those individual things like uh, being a woman, being gay, all that shit, right, we're saying that it doesn't matter. You know, and so I wanted to just be a, like kind of. It doesn't matter as it. It's, it does not. Yes, as a, as a matter of policy. Right. So I'm I'm just trying to wrap it up because yeah. if you listen to last week's episode, you know what's up. And we didn't say that it doesn't matter as a whole, but this is just a closing note on that. Right. As an individual, at the individual level, all of the unique things about you, whether it's your sexual orientation, the color of your skin, your heritage, your ethnicity, your interest your everything all of those things matter on an individual level right my point was that once you are a member of congress and you are there in the house of representatives you are in the senate right those things no longer matter right because at that point you are working as a politician to get things done and it seems to me that it at that point to identify them any past anything other than your caucus and your political beliefs 
feels to me like it becomes divisive. Mm-hmm. And that is what I was trying to get at last week. Um, and so that's just maybe like a little bit of an e- a simpler way for me to say it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's viewing government through the, the lenses of intersectional politics. Yes. You know, and intersectionality has no place in politics, no right. place in government. And it's it's obviously fine that those things influence your opinion because that's that's what's going to happen. I mean, your your opinion and your perspective is influenced by your experiences, you know. So everybody there, based on their different individual experiences, are going to see things differently. So I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, you know, like as a whole. But like I said, it doesn't to begin to identify people that way and when they're in the body it seems to me is just divisive because at that point it doesn't pertain to the legislation that they're putting forth because the argument has always been and is true that it nothing is any different you know among the races like it it, it doesn't affect your intelligence or anything like that just because you're a different race or i mean it's it doesn't you know so at that point it doesn't matter at that point it's only about your politics and the legislation that you're putting forth Mm -hmm. and that's really my point um the third and last thing that I want to address is when I was talking about what Morgan said about AOC being 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 the face of the bill, right? And having crafted it, right? So my point yeah. with that is I do understand that she is going to be the face of that bill because she is the one that co-sponsored it and represented it. But my point really was in the actual language of we don't have any way to attest that of how much of that she crafted and we know that at least partially by the episode of pod save america that we listened to this week because yeah. that woman crafted that legislation at least in part you know that was really my only point and i talked about later in that discussion about um morgan's letter that like i'm very particular with my language you know and like i, I say very much what i mean and so that is what i was talking about was the actual crafting of the legislation not the not the face of it, you know, because I obviously understand if it goes down, it's they're going to blame it on her. That's how it's going to look, you know. But yeah. I was talking about the actual writing of the legislation because there's a whole careers, you know, people whose job it is to actually write bills and then go and introduce, give it to somebody in in Senate and be like, here, introduce this. You know, this I per- wrote yeah. this. And in this like particular this. case, it was one of the co-authors was a woman named Rihanna Gunwright yes. who was on that episode of... Pod Save America. Yeah. Oh, you may. Oh, I had, I listened to like three episodes of Pod Save America this week. Yeah. And it that's, see, and that's why head. I told you, like, just listen to the interview at the end because yeah. that's all that I really listened to was the interview at the end. Yeah. Because hey, you know me, man. I need full context. <laughs> Self abuse. But yeah, she works at a progressive think tank in Washington, D.C. Exactly. And that's, that's where those. That's how the, I mean, you can think of these as lobbyist groups in a way. Yeah. These think tanks. Whenever you hear about think tanks, it's just a bunch of it's a group of people that come together and make up legislation to bring to Congress. Be like, hey, you guys should all get on board this and exactly. let's, let's push that forward. Exactly. It's just a different route. And, and so. So that's really what my point was. Yeah. Was not that she's not the face of it. And then if it goes down, she won't be blamed because certainly she, she will be roasted, mm-hmm. you know. If if and when this comes to the Senate, and it probably is not passed, you know, mm-hmm. she'll get roasted for it because she's the face of it. But like I said, I was talking truly about the actual crafting of the legislation, but I don't have any way to attest of how much of this that she wrote, other than I know that someone wrote it, right? As they do, you, you write a piece of legislation and you find somebody whose 
ideals line up with the legislation that you've just written, you know, and then you introduce it to that person. You're like, hey, here it is. Take this to the floor. Try and get this introduced. Try and get it voted on. And yep. we'll both be looking good because my name's down in the fine print at the bottom because I wrote it. But your face is on it, you know, and you're yeah. going to look good because you got this passed. And I'm going to get a shitload of money because I just got a bill passed in the Senate. You, mm-hmm. know? you know, and there's no way either to find out how directly she may or may not have no. been working with them. Or no. you, you never know. And, it, no, and, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because they're two separate worlds, the yes. private industry and the government. Yes. And once those two combine, it's it's essentially just a officially it's a handoff. It's like, yeah. hey. You start introducing this to your people. See if you can get them on on board. Yep. So yeah, and it's a it, it's it's a it's a finite difference. Like you said, it, it's it's yeah. negligible. It, do, it doesn't really matter. You know, at that point, it was just a because it is know. even if like officially, it doesn't matter where it comes from because it at the end of the day, somebody in the government picks it up and sponsors it. But you know, in all actuality, you you want to know you know, the motives, you know, and yeah. it, it would be nice in a perfect world, but like officially that's not the way it, it doesn't matter. Right. Kind of like the, what was it? Rule 35. Um, there's a rule 35. Oh, I think I wrote it. Down. Oh, in the, Cohen, in the Cohen thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. About, yeah. Um, uh, lowering your sentencing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that was a really bad segue. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Were you finished though with that? Um, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Um, but we'll just, we can hit the social medias real quick and then we can uh, move on. Oh, word. Well, you're so good at that nowadays. <laughs> you want to spit uh, them out there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, you're, you're listening to this as a well. You might be listening as a podcast. You might be watching on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube at Salt of the Streets. Uh, you can find our personal <laughs> social medias. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Offy on both of those things. We have our Salt of the Streets Instagram, Salt of the Streets Facebook. You can find everything of ours at saltofthestreets.com. Podcasts come out on Monday. Videos come out on Tuesday, Wednesday. Blog post on Thursday, live stream on Saturday on our Facebook. That's so everything. many days, I, I yep. can't even count them on Absolutely. two hands. Most days of the week, we are providing content. It is there. Consume it. Tell us what you love. That's it. Leave us a comment. See, you're just so much better at that than I am. <laughs> I have to write it out in a script so I don't forget anything. It took me a while to get it, but I got it now. You're the master. So this week, when what day was the Cohen hearing? Wednesday. I Wednesday. Think. Yeah. It's I've lost all track of time as far as this week's concerned. Yeah, I'm pretty just, sure it was Wednesday. It might have been Thursday. Um, no, it was Wednesday. And how much of that did so, you catch? Because it was live um, on C-SPAN. This was yes. one of I think three public or I mean hearings that he's had. This um, is the only public one. Yes, I think he had um, one before, and then he was going to do the one first after. one was public. The first one was public. Because I listened to that one as well. You're talking um, about the one where he lied? Yes. I'm talking about this week. Oh. He's had a couple, I think at he least had, one. We'll say at had, least one closed well, he door. Had, uh, two that week. On Wednesday was the open door. Thursday was the closed door. Okay. Um, and so I know for a fact he had two this mm-hmm. week um, with the with that same uh, co- joint committee. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was on Wednesday. And I listened to probably four. Four or five hours of it, um, not incident, not in its entirety. Because when they went to lunch, they were gone for like an hour or something like that, and I forgot about it and started listening to other stuff. So, um, so I did not listen to it then, but I listened to the first like five hours of it, and then I watched 
most of the rest of it yesterday yeah when i was at home so i've probably it's tough to do man i've probably watched or listened to 85 percent of it oh um, very nice yeah i'm probably up to about 50 and i'm still going through it yeah so so i do have some notes here from it obviously because that's uh what i do um <laughs> so as soon as it started uh the republicans said that they had only received Cohen's testimony a few hours before the hearing, right? And also the evidence was submitted just that morning. Uh, they got the testimony the night before and the evidence was there that morning. Um, and so Mark Meadows, Republican from North Carolina, he cited a rule that testimony and evidence must be presented 24 hours in advance before a hearing. So he tried to move for the hearing to be postponed. And the... Majority leader, uh, not the majority leader, the, what the hell am I trying to, the chairman. The chairman? Yes, the chairman Cunningham. Yeah. Sorry, I got this. Who is a, I'm a fan of his chairmanship. Yeah. I'm a fan of how he runs the bench. So Chairman Cunningham took a vote, um, an oral vote of just, you know, just to try and get this over over and done with and then mark meadows asked for a recorded vote and so they took another five ten minutes to do a recorded vote and the both movements got ended up turning over anyway um moving to first of all ignore the rule and second of all ignore the movement to postpone um so they voted on both of those things and (laughs) it was a really just a waste of like 20 30 minutes um there's always so much of that in every one of these hearings now yes uh mark meadows claimed that it was part of a political strategy and personal slight from michael cohen towards the house um and moved to delay the hearing and so he claimed that it was like i said part of a political strategy because one of his lawyers he said what on cnn i forgot to look up the video but he said what on cnn and was saying you know, talking about the strategy of, of what they were going to do the next day. So it's really important to be sitting at the table by yourself. And it's really important to hold on to your testimony for as long as you can, you know. And so Mark Meadows claims that it was part of a strategy and that, you know, like I said, and a personal slight because apparently Michael Cohen just fucking hates everybody who's a representative. Yeah. You know, it didn't seem that way. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I will say it is completely and utterly ridiculous to hear that coming from from meadows yes because um, did we not just go through a very similar thing very recently right with was it the kavanaugh hearings i mean there was a multiple hearings that you know they were always pointing their finger fingers at the democrats for citing the same rules when it just it's totally contradictory yeah makes you a hypocrite and then at the end uh there was a and so so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through some of the notes that I have from the actual hearing itself. We're going to go through like really the allegations that came out um, from Michael Cohen. Um, and then so. Oh, because there was a few. Right. And just because he spent 30 minutes on his opening statement. And so I have, you know, most of the new things that he said in here as mm-hmm. well as the old ones. Um, and I have some notes from the original thing. And I've got all kinds of shit here. I'm prepared as fuck. I love um, it. And then I have some big picture notes about what the Republicans did, how the Democrats handled it. Got a couple of questions for you. Me too. I did so good last night. I'm so, so proud uh, of you, Don. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, what the fuck was I talking? Oh, at the end, there was a problem between Rashida Tlaib and Mark Meadows because oh. Mark Meadows said that Rashida Tlaib called him a racist, and then Mark Meadows was mad that he 
felt like she called him a racist and then was upset that Cunningham was allowing him to be called a racist because they're friends and he has like nieces and nephews that are mixed and it, it was something else, right? And <laughs> I so- I thought I oh. thought it was strange because when I heard her say that, I thought that she was talking about the president, right? I thought she was talking about the president being like, oh, well, I'm not a racist because Omarosa is in the White House. You know, I brought Omarosa with me and I got Ben Carson with me. Like, because that's that was a point of contention, you know. It was very ambiguous. Right. And, and so that's what I thought she was talking about. I did not by any means think she was talking about Mark Meadows. So I thought that was really interesting that he took it so personally. I don't. Um, I think it was he saw it and it was like, oh, because he's so involved in following and attacking her and you know AOC and Ilhan Omar and, yeah and so you know I'm and I'm not going to say unrightfully either I mean right. he has he has cause to do that but he saw his shot in my mind and took it that's what you think that's what I think he I mean he it seems, doesn't really matter at the end but it seems pretty he seemed legitimately ridiculous. upset for a minute um but it did it did seem like a strange thing to happen like like while still in the hearing you know like like would you not it's like really it seems like the more professional thing and that may be you know a paradox when you're talking about (laughs) like congress but um it seems like the more professional thing to do would be to approach chairman cunningham afterwards and say hey i would really like if you would ask representative to leave you know to speak with you and i in your chambers and then hash that out there where you're like bitch you call me a racist like yeah but i think that that probably speaks to your point that it wasn't a personal deal you know that i don't just from my perception you know it seems like it, if it was that big of a deal we'd be like hey, listen i'm trying to get this handled because if she's going to be calling people racist she needs to get the fuck out of here you yeah know? but he wanted people to see that discussion and that's why he had it there the problem that- was he was already in that play the role mindset yeah he was playing his character Tone for that night and that was something that his character would have done that day yes yeah. in my mind um so it, it was interesting because that was after the questioning but then um before the closing statements yeah so it it was very strange um because i was trying to see the closing statements because i heard the michael cohen cried so i was trying to see michael cohen cry and while i was waiting for that that happened and i also thought it was interesting that i didn't hear anybody report on that you know that i i had not heard about that you, that but surprises I saw you i thought it was weird i thought it was me. weird that that interaction happened and not even on but I guess I didn't watch Fox News that day. But, like, I didn't even hear about it on <laughs> Ben Shapiro or anything, you know? Like, I, that seems strange that I wouldn't hear at oh, least one. I, no, I heard about it on Ben Shapiro. You did? For sure. Oh, maybe yeah. I just didn't listen to that episode. Yeah, because he's all about finding those stories that yeah. the the mainstream, if you will, yeah. d- isn't reporting on. Especially when it comes to somebody like Rashida Tlaib. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he ha- he's marked... Uh, he has marked them for his character assassination, and but just well, not even that. Just any anything that could possibly conceived as bad, he is right there on it. Well, and it shows. It certainly speaks to an obvious political tilt um, in the media. Not that we didn't know that existed already, you know. Yeah. But it's just kind of another paper on the pile of like, well, here's a little bit more evidence, you know, that like something like that happened where. Rashida Tlaib ambiguously insinuated that Mark Meadows or the president might be a racist because they said they have a black friend, right? You know, and that it's racist to even use someone as an example for why you're not a racist. 
you know like the fact that that's not covered as as racist for her to even possibly insinuate that you know that he would be using someone as a puppet it was a strange discussion because that's what he was upset about in the end is that mark meadows felt like rashida Tlaib called him a racist for saying oh well i have a black friend so i'm not a racist and mark meadows said it's racist for you to even say that i would do that you know that it wouldn't just be natural for me to have a black friend you know, and for me to say that naturally when you're calling me racist, you know, it it's a strange deal. But it that's is. why you can never win when you're like, well, I got black friends. You know, well, I know black people hang out with black people all the time. Like it was it was really weird. It was really weird. And it was to see happen in the middle of a hearing. I like oh, I said, yeah. I just thought it was very fucking strange. But I was loving it. It was, it was entertaining for sure. Um, so during Cohen's opening statement. He had a lot of different allegations that came out. Um, Man. So, (laughs) first of all, right, he said, this is a quote, he said, he is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat, right? And so he shared a couple of personal stories, all anecdotal, because that's what this is, right? Yeah. And then, at the end of, of what he said, we'll talk about... We'll talk about Michael Cohen as a person and whether or not we can believe this, right? Because there's some serious con. Maybe we should talk about that first, right? Yeah, right. So this first, is how much. Yeah. How much salt do you really give these guys? You know, how much he has showed up to Congress before and yes. blatantly lied, and yes. then now is officially convicted and it's going to jail for such lies. And correct. So now this and this is the first time it should be said. This is the first time that somebody who is convicted of perjury is testifying in front of Congress. After having been found guilty of lying to Congress, right? Because mm-hmm. he's just a few weeks away from going to prison for several years for lying to Congress for bank fraud. Three years um, at this point. Yes. That's where that's what he's looking at, right? Yeah. And so there is a huge amount of question of whether or not Michael Cohen can even be believed, right? Because he's already lied to Congress. So what's to say that this oath means anything to him now if it didn't beforehand, right? There's also because I'm really torn about it. I, I don't know personally if I believe Michael Cohen or not the things that he's saying, you know, because because yeah, on the other side of the argument is what does he have left to lose? At this point, he's already facing jail time, you yeah. know, and he he's already going to be away from his family. He's already lied. He's already a a federal. He's already a felon, you yeah. know, like it. So at this point, what does he have to lose? You yeah, know? He's, he's been but, labeled a narc <clears throat> by his, you know, his former bosses. Right. Cronies. He you know, been called a rat, old school mobster style. They're attacking his father-in-law on yep. social media. Like not, they're, and they're calling him out. The Republicans also use that in their argument that well, he's going to go to prison, so he's going to say anything he can while he's here to try and get as much time off as he can. Right, the Rule Thirty-Five which, motion. Yes, which I will provide an example of later when we're talking about big big Republican stuff because something like that did happen during this hearing and I think it's really important to note, right? But I also think it's important, like I said, that we preface with that that whether or not you believe Michael Cohen is really up to personal belief for you right now, you know, because I can see it just as much either way that he's telling the truth and then he's lying. You know, I I truly don't know whether or not he's telling the truth right now. But I would say there were things that he did bring as evidence yes to support some of the claims he made and those i think really only everything else that he said or did during the hearing more or less cannot be taken seriously just yes. due to the nature of a perjure but 
the stuff that coincides with the evidence that he brought seems to be why wouldn't you why would you be allowed to overlook that right you know what i mean <coughs> excuse me so so like i said his so many statement was about 30 minutes long um and one of the first things that he claimed was that president trump was told by roger stone who was just just charged like a couple weeks ago last week yeah. like i think we talked about that maybe the week before um that President Trump was told by Roger Stone that there was going to be an email drop by WikiLeaks before the Democratic National Convention. Um, And so Michael Cohen says that he was in President Trump's office. He wasn't president at the time. He was just president, or he wasn't even president-elect Trump. He was just the candidate Trump at that point. So he said that he was in his office when he got the phone call from Roger Stone, where Roger Stone was on speakerphone and told President Trump that he just got off the phone with WikiLeaks and there was going to be an email drop. Yep. So that's what he heard. That's that's what he heard. That's what he said. Right. And so, again, whether or not that's the truth, I'm just reading these things off just so that you guys know what happened, because that's a lot of stuff that that was a long hearing. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was covered. And it's really hard to if we don't have time to watch seven hours, you guys definitely don't have time to watch seven hours. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're here for. So I just want to run down this stuff for you just so you guys know everything that he tried to air out. Right. He said that President Trump indirectly used charity funds for personal use. And the example that he gave was a painting of President Trump that went to auction, right? And he had Michael Cohen inflate the price of the, like, raise the bidding price at the auction for the painting. I think he said up to 60 grand, right? And then pay for it. And then President Trump used funds from the Donald Trump Foundation to reimburse himself for the money that he used on the painting. Yes. Right. And so, which was an actual news story when it happened yes. a long time ago. And so, there is some evidence of that, right? And that is something that Michael Cohen and Lutch happened multiple times, numerous times. He used yeah. to do it all the time, right? Um, he also said that President Trump led the Moscow Tower negotiations through the campaign, right? Previously, it's been testified that he stepped back from all business, that he wasn't handling anything. It was testified by Michael Cohen this day. Nothing happened without President Trump knowing about it, whether it happened in the campaign or the business. President Trump knew about everything when it happened. Which was him directly contradicting his original testimony. Yes. That was one of the key things that he lied about in the first one. In the Moscow Tower meeting, if you guys don't remember, I will link to that. Let me underline that so that I can link to that episode um, when I do the notes. Because we did talk about that. The Moscow Tower meeting was when Donald Trump Jr. was a... Paul Manafort or Rick Gates? I think Paul, Paul Manafort. Manafort met with a Russian lawyer, Natalie Veselnitskaya, where they testified or at least wrote, because I don't think Donald Trump Jr. came in, but they no, wrote no. like out a statement and said that, um, oh, it was on uh, fucking Sean Hannity. That's where mm. Donald Trump Jr. was on. I watched that shit live. So Donald Trump Jr. said that I remember now. Donald Trump Jr. said that all they talked about was the Magnitsky Act, which has to do with adopting Russian babies and along with other things. Um, this lawyer and other people say that they talked about, what was it, sanctions, right? That mm-hmm. that's what they talked. Oh, it was information about Hillary Clinton. That oh, the, this, the yeah, this dirt woman on said, Hillary Clinton. Yes, the Russian lawyer, Natalie Veselnitskaya, said that she had dirt on Hillary Clinton. So she was trying to offer that information to Donald Trump Jr. and Paul Manafort. And the meeting never went anywhere, but like I said, afterwards, they said that they were just talking about adoption of Russian babies through the Magnitsky Act. Mm-hmm. God, we are getting good. Which is uh, so weird because the Magnitsky Act has really not any much to do with that at all, yeah, right? Yeah, like barely. Yeah. Um, and then, 
let's see, he called called Donald Trump fundamentally disloyal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, a point to speak to when he claimed that Donald Trump was told by Roger Stone about the WikiLeaks emails. Uh, Julian Assange and Roger, Roger Stone have both denied that that conversation ever happened, that yeah. Roger Stone ever talked to Julian Assange and that Roger Stone ever talked to Donald Trump. Whether or not you believe them, again, that's up to you. That's like the same thing as believing Michael Cohen. I don't know. Yeah. Julian Assange lies all the fucking time. So does uh, Roger Stone. So yeah. Whether or not you believe those guys, that's up to you, right? Roger um, Stone's been lying since Reagan. <laughs> yes. Um, he, Michael Cohen also claimed that President Trump inflated assets to get on the Forbes list and get lines of credit and then deflated their value for taxes, which means that he would have someone come in or really would pay someone to audit the value of properties or assets at a lower cost when he's filing his taxes. So he pays less and actually gets returns. I think he said $130 million, $100 million, something like that. But then when he's applying to be on the Forbes list and applying for lines of credit and things like that, then he would have someone value them at the highest they could possibly be to get a bigger line of credit. And he... Michael Cohen said that he always wanted to be at a higher spot on the Forbes list every year, you know? And so he would always find just the most expensive thing that he had and have someone value that at the highest it could possibly go, you know? With what we know about what they did with his father's assets... That would make very that much would, sense. Yeah. It it's would something they've right done before. Yes, with what he learned from his father, right? Mm-hmm. Which would also, and again, whether or not you believe Michael Cohen, that's up to you. I'm not saying that he's telling the truth. I just want to explain these allegations so people know what he said. But that activity, if it did happen, right, with his fucking with insurance, fucking with taxes, that would explain the hesitancy to turn over his tax returns because that, with that and the financial statements that he turned in because President Trump did turn over financial statements when he got in the office, those two things would be very different. Yeah. If this is correct. There's a word for that, Don. It's called fraud. Fraud. It's called tax, tax fraud. fraud. So, right, and I'm Which, not... When you say Donald Trump, does anybody... Associate that with tax fraud? I don't think so, so, right? So again, I'm not saying that that's the case, but it is a line of logic that I can follow that when I heard that, I'm like, well... It's a logical line of thinking. That would make sense as to why he is so hesitant to to turn over his taxes, right? Yep. Because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually asked at the end of the hearing, she was like the second to last person because she's so new, she said she asked Michael Cohen if he thought that they would see inconsistencies if they compared his tax returns and his financial statements and he said yes so i think that's really interesting um and i believe there are still people who are suing to try and get donald trump to turn over his taxes Mm -hmm. Trump to turn over his taxes i'll try and look that up maybe we can talk about that next time be curious Um, what the difference between like a a legal civil suit and a congressional subpoena would be as far as how much weight yeah. that carries. Yeah. I wonder. Because I know that President Trump has claimed before that he can decline a subpoena. He doesn't have to respond to a subpoena because he's the president, you know? Um, that doesn't make sense to me, it's, though. No, and it's it's only because he's had people like Rudy Giuliani sitting there that are telling him that he can argue that way, you know? Yeah. So certainly that they could argue that way in court, whether or not they would win, you know, that's something else. Yeah. But it's an argument that could feasibly be made for four to five years until he's out of office and it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, you know? because Congress has the power of oversight. Right. So right. how far does that extend? And which, that's, that would probably be a Supreme Court case. Which, and- as we heard in President Trump's State of the Union address, 
He's not a huge fan of the oversight powers Mm-mm. of Congress, of the House of Representatives. No. Right? He He's, said that, that is, that's that's just going to divide the government. That's going to divide the country to have oversight like that. Um, so Don't look. You might not like what you see. Uh, Michael Cohen also said that there was repeated claims of Donald Trump, the Trump Corporation, um, shorting or stiffing contractors, which there have been numerous reports on that, either when he first got into office or when he was running. I remember hearing about that, mm-hmm. of numerous claims and lawsuits of him hiring people to do, contractors to do work in his hotels and his buildings and then either not paying them or paying them halfway for the job and saying we're not going to do that anymore michael cohen says that he was the person that did that on most of those occasions if not all of them that he was the one that would call people and tell them or go to job sites and tell them we're not paying you but thank you for the work you can leave now yeah you know which again <laughs> I just, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I just want to keep repeating. Whether or not you believe him is up to you. But the reputation that Michael Cohen has and has had when he got brought into the White House, not as a job, but as the president's personal attorney, as a thug, as a mob style lawyer, you know, that he's a fixer. Like he has that reputation. So you can argue that he's using that reputation he has in the public to make these false claims seem more legitimate. Mm-hmm. Or you can argue that this is just more evidence that feeds into that persona that he has right um and i will tell you from personal experience that the uh, that idea of a a a person or a company essentially in this case like the trump organization hiring a contractor to do work and then just deciding at the end of it that they don't want to pay anymore yeah that is not an uncommon practice i personally have experienced this a lot hmm and so, like, to have somebody of that level, of that egotistical level as well, it would not surprise me in the very, very least that Michael Cohen would would be his go-to guy to do that. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. it's. Um, I didn't – I had no idea until I got into it. And I was like, oh, how is this even a thing? Yeah. Um, another thing is Michael Cohen maintains that Stormy Daniels was paid for silence, uh, knowingly by President Trump and that the money came from Michael Cohen, but Michael Cohen was reimbursed by President Trump. And when he was here in Congress this time, he claimed that President Trump reimbursed him while he was in the White House. Yeah. Right? He brought checks that are signed by Donald Trump from his personal account to Michael Cohen from August of 2017, when President Trump was already in office, that Michael Cohen claims as part of a payment system set up by Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., the Trump Foundation. Alan Weisselman was yep, a major Alan player. Weisselman. Or, so not Trump, the Trump Corporation, not the Trump Foundation. Because those are – Trump Foundation is a charity. The Trump Corporation is his company, right? Mm-hmm. Those are two very different things. So Michael Cohen claims that this check is part of a reimbursement for the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels, right? The personal thing doesn't matter. We've talked about that before. But the reason that's a problem is because it would be considered an in-kind donation to Stormy Daniels, which is part of um, – what the hell am I trying to say? Election finance fi- uh, violation. Almost campaign finance campaign, violation. Damn, campaign finance violation for the purpose of influencing an election. Um, you can't use anything over $2,700. And mm-hmm. obviously $130,000 is way over that. So – there's that which he he brought the check there, the actual physical check. He brought it, and they had it there. 
he was paid $35,000 by President Trump while he was president from his personal account. What that money is for is going to be argued to the end of time, right? Because yeah. I'm sure that that will be argued in some type of court while Michael Cohen is in prison, right? Yeah. Um, or at well, least Because I think in, it's involved in the Southern District of New York court. Yes. Um, you know, hearing, or yep. not hearing, but the case that's still going on. Um, that's the real dangerous one. Yes. Yes. I don't think, as far as the two major investigations, the Mueller probe and then the Southern District of New York, there's only one the president is actually needing to be worried about, unless, of course, he's guilty as fuck. But I think it's it's that SDNY, because yeah. it's going after a campaign finance violation, which, when you say it like that, doesn't mean a whole lot. But what it essentially is, is defrauding the American taxpayer. Right. And because it's... That's our money that you're they're playing with. These are donations from the people, and right, that's that's fraudulent. And that's a, that's a personal use of a, you know, from a different coffer. You know what I mean? And people will try and belittle that argument by quoting Barack Obama's campaign finance violations, right? But they're different because. And I'm not I'm not defending Barack Obama. I'm just highlighting the difference between the two, right? That mm-hmm. Barack Obama took more money than he claimed that he took, right? He did not pay somebody for silence so that their story didn't come out to influence people's opinions of that candidate. Yeah, That's the difference, right? Because I'm not going to sit here and say that Barack Obama didn't do that because he got taken to court for it. He paid the fine. Everything was fine. Yeah. Because like I said, it wasn't trying to influence people's opinions. It was taking a little bit more money than he should have taken from certain people. Yeah, you, you got to remember camp- campaign finance is kind of, it's not like a very specific crime you know it's it encompasses a lot of different you know separate crimes you right. know and in barack obama's case it was it was the sheer fa- the volume of contributions at the time and yes. we talked about this beforehand right they just they were literally unable to meet the deadline and underreported because they just didn't have the time right and so this is a completely very different. different one very very different yeah this is more along the lines of that uh with john edwards was it John Edwards? I can't remember. The presidential candidate that had a love child with another lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And there's been a lot of talk about that as something to actually compare it to. Um, the next thing is Michael Cohen claims that President Trump had Michael Cohen threaten his high schools and colleges to not release his grades and not release his test scores. That's my um, favorite one. Which I was really interesting. You know, super interesting. Just speaks to the man. Um, yep. Um, Michael Cohen claims that Donald Trump lied about the bone spurts that he had so that he could avoid the draft into Vietnam and said, you know, <laughs> President Trump said, what, you think I'm fucking stupid? You know, I'm not going to Vietnam or, yeah. you know, some shit like that. Um, and the last thing I wrote down here as far as claims is that Michael Cohen claims that Donald Trump knew about the Trump Tower meeting and the content of the meeting when it happened. He claims that he was in the office with Donald Trump when Donald Trump Jr. came in. Mm-hmm. Said something to the effect of, you know, the meeting is set up and blah, blah, blah. Walk behind his chair, which yeah. is something nobody does. Said it was also weird because at one point Donald Trump had told him that Donald Trump Jr. was like the most irresponsible person he'd ever met or had the worst business sense he'd ever met. Or, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to. I feel like a lot of people not would second flag, that opinion, though. Right. I'm not trying to talk shit. I'm trying to remember what he said. Like the worst instincts. That's what he said. Yes. Donald Trump Jr. has the worst instincts I've ever said. Michael Cohen claimed that Donald Trump said that. So. 
in the opening statement, 30 minutes, he used that time to claim all of those things. Um, and that is what he was there for today. The purpose of this hearing was for Michael Cohen to testify on President Trump and the knowledge that he had on him. That is the whole purpose he was being there, right? So it's important to know that before we talk about how the Republicans use their time and how the Democrats use their time because they were very different, right? Very. So the Republicans, to a T, spent their time highlighting all the reasons that Michael Cohen could not be trusted and could not be believed. And they also spent their time building a narrative of personal slight from Michael Cohen towards President Trump because Michael Cohen was not given a job in the White House. Right? Yeah. That was a huge narrative being pushed. And Michael Cohen is like, I didn't want a job in the White House. I was the personal lawyer to the President of the United States. It's like, hey, man, here's like, a gun. Grab it. Grab it. Right. And take it. Take it. Like, Shoot I didn't, him. It's like, I didn't want that. Like, I don't, no. that's not true, you know? And that was something that was stated in part of the case against him in the Southern District of New York. And he said, that's not the case. You know, I never said that. And nope. I know. So, and they kept, so, you, so you're saying that they're lying. It's like, well, no, I'm not saying they're lying. I'm saying that I never said that. And yeah. like, so you're saying that they're lying. And he's like, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're lying because they're also lawyers. Like, um, yeah. And so the reasons that they claim Michael Cohen can't be trusted is like we talked about earlier, bank fraud. He has, he's lied to banks to get lines of credit, um, perjury. He's already come into the House of Representatives and lied to them under oath. Um, and the one thing that I was talking about earlier where the example of how he's a shitty lawyer, um, and also how he can't be trusted, right? That he just, he can't be trusted at all is months ago, there was stories and actual audio that came out of audio recordings that Michael Cohen made of President Trump. And I don't remember how they got out. Um, I think that they were subpoenaed and then were leaked through the Justice Department somehow. And that's probably how they got yeah. out. And so it, I don't remember anything big coming out of them. Um, but there was there was tapes. And so when Michael Cohen is here testifying, he says that he has over 100 tapes of not just President Trump, but of multiple clients, you know, yeah. of just of numerous clients. And so I what wish I wrote down lawyer. I wish I wrote down the guy's name, but it was one of the Republican representatives. He said, said, is that legal? You know, does that like does, is is there any rule against that? And Michael Cohen said, well, there, it's not illegal. You know, there's no like rule against it. He said, so that's just like an ethical question then. And well, he would be said, disbarred for doing that, but he's already been disbarred. Yeah, like last week because you violate attorney-client privilege at a point. Well, right. So, so hold on, right? Because that's what Michael Cohen was saying was that yeah. him actually record doing the recordings is not violating attorney-client privilege per se. Yeah. Right. At that point, it's just an ethical question because yeah. whether or not he does something with the tapes, that would violate it. Right. Yeah. The and, the re, the act of doing it isn't necessarily. And that's covered. what Michael Cohen was saying. Right. But then after he says he has them, the Democrat that's questioning him at the time when he admits he has the tapes says, would you be willing to turn those tapes over? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. So then when he's being questioned by the Republican who's asking him whether or not this is illegal or if it's just a moral question, he says, well, I'm concerned because. You are obviously willing to violate attorney-client privilege because you offered to turn in these tapes without even consent and getting the consent of any of your clients that these that these people were recorded. Yeah. And Michael Cohen's like, oh, well, uh, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to be cooperative. You know. It's <laughs> like, well, that's all well and good, but you're you're willing to break the law, you know. So why yeah. should we believe that you're not willing to do that now? You know, you, you might want to like. 
I it would be a different story if you like were like, well, yeah, if you asked for them and requested them, aka through a subpoena, he would hand them over. Yeah, that probably would have been a better answer than, well, yeah, no, you, you can have them. But I don't, he doesn't care. Well, and eventually he had to amend what he said and said, pending, you know, authorization from okay. my previous clients. Like yeah. after he got called out for it, the next time he got asked about the tapes, because I believe the next Republican. Um, There's 99 or, or people the next, watching that going, shit. I believe the next Democrat asked him again if he would turn over the tapes. And he said, pending, you know, yeah. something along the lines of pending authorization from my previous clients, I would turn over the tapes to you guys. But he also That's argued so when he's being questioned by the original Republican, he's like, he's like, well, you know, people in the Justice Department already, already have the tapes. And the representative's like, that, that doesn't matter. It's like, I'm not asking you who has them because that doesn't matter. If they were subpoenaed and you had to give them over, that doesn't matter. Yeah. What they do with them doesn't matter. They're not the attorney here. You're the attorney. If you give them over, that's violating attorney crime privilege. And that's when we have a problem. Yeah. I was really interesting. I thought it was very interesting that, um, he's just obviously not the brightest guy. No, you know? he's not, um, man. So that's pretty much how, Every Republican to a T handled their time there. Everyone got five minutes and it was all in an attempt to discredit any and all information provided by Cohen today. Yeah. Um, and before, because again, that's whether or not you can believe it is still up in the air. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, the Democrats, on the other hand, used their time. I'm not going to say appropriately because that's again up for debate whether or not he even should be there, you know, but yeah. In terms of the purposes for why Cohen was there, right? They used their time more appropriately by using his opening statement and his testimony and asking questions about that to try and get more information, yep. right? Um, it was so, no different than any other hearing we've heard all right. the way going Incredibly back through Kavanaugh and everything. Yeah. Incredibly partisan because they also now, used... The roles were switched right, because right. the Democrats have the power in the, this one. The Democrats also used their time to try and delegitimize the president and yep. try and make the Republicans look like they're just blind to the truth. You know, they're not for the people. They don't care. They just don't. So it's not I'm, – I'm not by any means saying the Democrats looked great because they were just as partisan as the Republicans were. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't use as much of their time to slander the Republicans as the Republicans did to slander the Democrats. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty typical. The Democrats just, and Cohen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Essentially, like I said, it was just like a role reversal. You know, yeah. It was the same because you remember during like the Kavanaugh hearings and the Gorsuch hearings. Yeah. The some of the Republicans were good and asked good questions, but some of them just used it to sit there for five minutes and puff them up, you know, just you know, and, put a and, line of bullshit up. In the and air. Democrats did that too. Rashida Tlaib, I don't think she hardly asked any questions. All she did was just yeah. talk the whole time about how shitty they all were. And, you know, Republican Donald Trump is a racist, but I'm not going to say he's a racist and, you know, racist and this is racist and that's racist. And, but nothing's um, racist because yeah. Mark Meadows isn't racist. Yep. And um, So like I said, I'm not by any means saying the Democrats were great because they came out looking just as stupid, almost yeah. as stupid as the Republicans. It's a 60-40 split. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, talked about the Republicans, Cohen testifying at all. Do you think personally that Michael Cohen should be believed? Do you believe him? Do you? Where do you sit on it? I sit again, like I spoke before about the like the checks. Yeah. Or as uh, what was it? what's the chairman's name again? Uh, Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah. When he asked him about the checks, the the yeah. checks. I mean the checks. Yeah. It's like he's like, wait, did you just? Did I bring some sex? Not a lot. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the things that he had evidence for, 
like the the checks signed by Donald Trump Jr. and Alan Weissman and, and President Trump. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff where I okay, yeah. Then that's good because there's that is under investigation. So I'm not worried about it. I'm sure they already yeah. know what's going on. It's part of it. We'll find out. But that's really everything else is just kind of I don't know. You just take it with a grain of salt. And it's, I mean, like I said, it, it's anecdotal. You know, yeah. all that stuff is stories of things that Michael Cohen said that he experienced, yeah. you know. And so they're not admissible in court because it's just shit that he's saying. You know, it's just yeah. hearsay. But I mean, know. it's interesting for one. I was glad that he did teach some congressmen about the Rule 35 motion because there was a lot of, well, you know, how much of your testimony here today is going to go to a reduced sentence in your other case? Yeah. And he had to, because it came up so much, especially from Meadows, um, that essentially, like, the Rule 35 case, which is talking about the reduction of your your sentence, how much uh-huh. time you're going to you're serve, um, that only applies, like, if you start to cooperate with authorities, right? Right, and right. And then... If the information you provide to those cases and investigations leads to a fruitful investigation. If it's and beneficial. A, yeah, if it's beneficial, then there's the possibility of a Rule 35 motion. Right. Which is, it's like a separate trial, again, all in and of itself. This isn't just... And so... So it, his testimony there today literally has nothing to do legally with his reduced sentence, if that was even a thing that he can get. And his point, I think part of his point was that if that is the case, I don't have any way to decide that. That is totally mm-hmm. based upon yeah. um, the, he has nothing the investigators. To do with it. It's based on the investigators and whether or not they feel like the information I gave is beneficial. Because yeah. I'm just saying this stuff, if it doesn't end up helping, you know, then that's 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 up to them. Yeah. You know? So I thought that was really interesting. It is. And yeah. which was nice because much like the uh, the tech hearings, you know, a lot of these people just don't know how certain things work because they're and, only people, man. I mean, you know how it is. Who knows so, how everything works? And that's something that everyone can take into consideration. That mm-hmm. He he may he is most certainly, and he said that he would love to get time off of his sentence if any of this is helpful. Yeah. But it is legally he has no way to decide whether or not he gets time off of his sentence because of this. Yeah. So. Him saying it can't be based on that, you know, because he has no way to know whether or not it will even help. Yeah. Right. So he can't be tailoring his. Inf- I mean, he knows what he got asked, so he could maybe be tailoring yeah. it to that, you know. But that doesn't mean that because he was asked that, that that's really big mm-hmm. picture what the investigation is about. You know, he could be just one small element of this entirety. So, which I think he is exactly. So there's no way. To say that. So I don't think personally that it's a legitimate argument to say that he's there lying to try and get a reduced sentence. Because if he is lying, then it's he's definitely not going to get a reduced sentence for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of a, you know, discredit, 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 rinse, repeat. That's coming from the Republican side, at least. That was I don't think I heard a single one ask a halfway decent question. At a certain point, like maybe a third or two thirds of the way through, Michael Cohen said he said i think it's interesting that not one republican member here has asked me a single question about president trump yeah it's only been about me my taxes my history my crimes what i've done i'm here to talk about president trump not one republican representative here has asked me a question about president trump nope that's fucking weird 
you know, but you're sitting here bitching about partisan politics. Not one person has asked about President Trump. You just know? makes me sick to think about, man, because yeah. it's just, mind you, a lot of those people that were really hardcore over there, you know, they're on like the Freedom Caucus and stuff like that. I mean, you expect that from them because they're almost Trump loyalists, if you want to. Jim Jordan? Yeah. But uh, that's his I, name, right? Jim Jordan? Yeah. yeah. But I do love, uh, I'm good. I do love the the little, and I don't know her name, but the little old lady from, uh, I don't Fox. remember where she, where she was. Yeah. Asked him about the, the books. It's like, would you, she gave him a whole list of like book, movie deal, yeah. you know, all these different things, commentary spot on a particular right wing conservative news, you know, channel, AKA Fox News. You know, would you, you know, commit to not signing up for those or signing into those? And he's just like, no, I, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Can you get me another beer, please, while you're in there? Ooh. She, the wifey must be getting ready to a Twitch stream because she's coming out with her headphones on, grabbing grabbing beers. Oh, thank you, love. Oh, man, more fresh squeezed. But, yeah, overall, I don't know. <coughs> the only thing that I, like I said, the only thing I really like I, I feel like I can take out of it is the most of the stuff to do with the checks that they showed and some the of the documents signed. But he brought. Yeah. Because other than that, I'm just not worried about it. It's kind of a, I like it because it's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and who knows how much of it, it you can actually use. But I mean, it's good to know what's going on. Right. And that's kind of what this is. And I don't know that we'll know exactly how much of this really is the truth. Until all these investigations are done. Until, and I, even until then, the Mueller report comes out, yeah. until the SDNY report comes out, until all these things are done, Ooh. the cases are closed. I don't know that we'll know exactly how much of this is the truth. And even then, a lot of it's going to be classified. So it'll be a, a while, you know, 25 while. years until, excuse me, yeah, until right. all of it's opened up and we Another can see Gulf everything. Another Exactly. Northwoods. Oh, um, so speaking of, I think that's pretty much all that we have on Michael Cohen. Definitely. Um, as far as that. So we can move on to North Korea if you'd like. Yeah. Pause button before yep. we do North Korea. Did you have you gotten to that new Alex Jones episode? I on am, Joe Rogan. Um, like halfway through it. I'm going to listen to more of it on my way. home. Isn't today. it so amazing? It I'm to the point where Eddie Bravo is there. And he he's like screaming before he went to the bathroom. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, that was Alex Jones is officially a nut job. Second time he's on Joe Rogan. Absolutely like insane. Yeah, it's, it was so crazy. crazy. But I'm gonna go back and listen to it again because it is just endless nonsensical entertainment. Alex Jones is too much. Interdimensional aliens and it just i love every second of it <laughs> so speaking of interdimensional um, aliens yeah kim jong un um, so on monday the president was headed to hanoi vietnam uh, vietnam to have a summit with the supreme leader of north korea kim jong un mm-hmm. um and so they did have their meeting and everything um and there was a signing ceremony scheduled it did not happen because the president left the meeting early and left the summit early with walked no, out. Yes, with no deal signed. Um, he and then in the con- in the press conference immediately afterwards, President Trump said North Korea wanted all of the sanctions gone, but they wouldn't denuclearize in the areas that they wanted, and so they weren't willing. He wasn't willing to make that deal and had to just walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, he also claimed. 
that the <laughs> this is a side note. We also claim that the Cohen hearing happened when it did to take away from the Hanoi summit. Oh yeah, um, which is interesting because nothing happened anyway. So got to tie it to him somehow, man. Yeah. Um, and so President Trump then you know got it. He answered some questions um, while he was there. He got asked if the Department of Defense would restart the like the war games they do in South Korea. You know the the uh, oh military, yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. practices they do there. What the fuck am I trying to say? Not practices. The drills. They're, yes, thank you, Jesus Christ. Um, and <laughs> President Trump said that he stopped it because it cost too much money. It cost hundred million dollars mm-hmm. every time, and he didn't think that it was fair. Um, it's not fair. Which it's too I much just. Money. To a man who's adding another $16 billion to the (laughs) defense budget this year. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, You did it to save money? mm -hmm. To save what we do twice a year, you know, or every couple of years? How often do we do the fucking war games? Not very often. You're saying it costs too much money when we do it? It's too much money, man. Come on, dog. But you're also... Here's an extra $16 billion. And you're also talking about how we need to have a strong military and show it to people. You know, we need to have technology. Why wouldn't have a parade so people can see how strong our military is? But the war games are too, the drills are too much. You know, the those are too much. Those are they're, too much. They're too showy. They cost too much money. I don't see showy. You're joking, right? I want my Like, parade. you're joking. You're doing it because you're trying to bend to the will of Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. And you can't argue it any other way. That's exactly it's, what that is. Yeah, he's trying to do what he does with his business dealings. He likes to get, pretend like they're all buddy-buddy and get them on, you know, lower their defenses. and yeah. It's kind of a shitty tactic. He also said that Kim Jong-un told him he had no knowledge of Otto Warmbier um, while he was there and like anything that happened, yeah. right? And if you guys remember, which I'm sure you do because it got fucking all kinds of attention right afterwards, Otto Warmbier was a college student who went to North Korea. And he like grabbed a poster down off of a wall and I think one other thing and he they found it in his bag when he's trying to leave. Mm-hmm. And he got taken into custody and he got beaten and all kinds of bad shit happened to him. And then when he was in a coma, they finally gave him back and he died like three days later. Yep. Um, and they tortured and killed him because he stole a poster. And then right after the president says this, Otto Warbier's family comes out and they're, you know, in not so many words, fuck the president because he absolutely knew that this happened and the president needs to be supporting us and not Kim Jong-un. And this guy's a dictator and he is killing people. He's murdering people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the family is pissed. There's lots of people who are pissed. The family Um, was at his state of the union two years ago. Yeah. Yes, they were. Cause that was right after Warmier had died. Yep. And now it's, (coughs) he's turned around and spitting in their face. Yes. Um, disgusting. Do you have any other notes from the questions that he took that you want to hit? No, or, I mean, okay. the only real thing that, because like you said, this is kind of a lot of not going anywhere. Right. And and so my big talking point on this one was I just wanted, I don't know how much we've really talked about North Korea. North Korea. Just, you know, what you, where you think maybe we should go, you know, the stances that we're taking. There's a lot of talk these days about how the United States even having a relationship like we do with Kim Jong-un is yeah. a complete another moral travesty, you know? So I figure just based off of this, really all we can do is 
some people are pointing fingers saying that, well, they sh- just should have been more prepared for this before they got the, the leaders involved and made this all showy. And because all the real negotiations generally happen on, at the State Department level. Right. And then when the leaders show up, they really just kind of sign the agreement yeah. that's already been handed. They're at that point, they're figureheads. They just yeah. show up. You know, shake hands, sign a paper. And I think the thing that concerns me, right, is that because I don't know exactly what I think the plan should be for North Korea. You know, I, I don't know. Um, and I, I maybe I haven't not that I could solve it myself, but I'm not mm-hmm. I've not thought critically enough about it to try and think of a strategy, yeah. you know, like where you um, stand. Right. Have so, you, you know, how much time I'm, have you spent? I don't think um Especially because we don't have a full comprehension of North Korea's nuclear capability. You know, yeah. all we know is what they've done publicly. Because we also know that they've dug into mountains and done things inside of mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, what they've done in there, we don't know. You know, they've taken down some facilities and left others up. They've continued to do some testing. They have continued to build new rockets and better rockets in the time that we've had these discussions since President Trump has claimed that they're no longer a threat. Yeah. You know, they've continued to do those things. There's reportings from America, from Europe. I, we talked about that last week or the week before. I have notes in here for it, so I know we talked about it. Right? Yeah. Um, there have been reports of that already. So I don't know that starting an all-out sock in the fucking mouth fight like president trump was talking about before is the right way to handle this because at this point what does he have to lose he's already killing people in his country because they don't have enough food he's already killing people who are trying to take power from him he's killing family members who are trying to take power from him at this point what does he have to lose right he showed us that he's fucking crazy so i don't know what's going to stop him from doing something like that especially when he has the precedent that so much of the rest of the world does that well america's already done it Mm-hmm. They already came into Japan and they already did that. So why would I not do it to America? You know, they've already showed that that's okay. Oh, yeah. No matter how many times, no matter how many of our leaders have been like, that was a terrible mistake, you know, and like we regret ever doing it and we're sorry we shouldn't have done that. Like, because everybody since then has, you know, yeah. in some way or another, because we go to Japan every year on, you know, the president goes there every year, I think, on the anniversary of the day that the bomb was dropped to visit the memorial and to speak to the people and gives a speech or at least every five years, you know, like I know I've seen pictures of it. So I know yeah, they how, do it, you know. Yeah, how so, long does that go on? So, right. So I don't know that that is the way to do that. I also think that negotiations aren't exactly going the way that we want them to. I don't know whether or not that's because President Trump is the one that's doing them. Or because I was we're sure just not compatible, not. you know, yeah. because I also know that on Thursday, North Korea held a press conference of their own, right, where their speaker said that the president wasn't correct in the way that he represented the discussions they had, right? The representative from South Korea said that um, they asked for removal of five of the 11 sanctions in exchange yeah. for denuclearization. And this is a quote, permanently and completely dismantle all the nuclear material production facilities in the Yongbyon area, including uranium and plutonium in the presence of U.S. experts. Yes. And that was a point of contention before where they were taking down sites, but they weren't letting anybody watch except for reporters. You know, mm-hmm. only reporters can come and see just so we can show good faith. But nobody's able to go and actually touch the things and look at them after it's been destroyed. 
destroyed to yeah, make the, sure. Yeah, it's that right? international inspection team. Yes, people can come and they can watch us blow it up. But afterwards, it's too dangerous. You can't go there. You know, no one's allowed there. It's too dangerous. And we're, you're not allowed to go there. So there's no way to verify that everything was destroyed. Because again, they showed us that they're digging into the ground to hide shit. You know? Yeah. So I don't know why we would put it past them to not have bunkers and shit underneath all of their facilities that are storing everything that's safe from a new from a blast on top you know maybe not a nuclear blast but at least a bomb you know they're a mile deep into the ground or something like that and it's all cement and so if a bomb explodes on top then everything underneath will still be fine you know i don't know why we would put that past them and so yeah the ultimate you know what do you do about north korea it's i think it's really hard because we've never really had a situation like this particular one yeah the where essentially you have a a nationwide cult of you know this hereditary personality in the in the kim family and before we i'm sorry to interrupt you but i just want to know that north korea said also in that press conference that that was their final offer was to get the five of the 11 sanctions for you know total denuclearization of this area and they said that the U.S. asked for more, and that's when they walked away because they said, well, it was evident that they weren't willing to accept this offer, so we were done. You yeah. Know? So I'm sorry. I didn't want to. I just wanted to finish no, no, that because I think that's really important that President Trump said, well, I had to walk away because they weren't going to take what I had to say. You know, North Korea is saying, well, we walked away because America wasn't willing to accept the offer that we had, you know, that we've been talking about this whole mm-hmm. time, and they weren't willing to accept this. Yeah, and so whether or not that was true coming from the yes. North Koreans is it's difficult because right, right. because and that state propaganda machine and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you is and it's so hard because you can't trust Trump. So that's what I wanted to ask you is who do you think is more believable, President Trump or North Korea? I have a feeling that all the lower level diplomats, um, including Mike Pompeo, were probably Steph landing, you know, stuck landing there like, wait, what the fuck? What just happened? We had we had this thing we've been working on and you guys just yeah. fucked it up? What happened? And so I don't I have no idea what happened. I don't know. We have and we'll never probably ever know. You know, because I can't you just can't trump you can't trust Trump at his word. Right. For one. And you definitely can't trust the North Koreans. Yeah. Because it's just it's I mean, it's been nothing but propaganda since its inception. But ultimately what do you do about it you know this is just try to keep a quote-unquote friendly relationship and hope to get back together again i mean if what we're talking about here is a complete denuclearization and a full relief of sanctions being the end goal that that's the only thing the u.s will will go with the only thing the trump administration will accept yes because hey, i think that's true if true, we had a true the moment we have a different administration, this conversation is going to be totally different. What's Bernie Sanders going to do about it? Oh, man. I can't wait. For Bernie a, Sanders is going to pull out a joint and be like, <laughs> I know how we're going to solve this, I guys. can't wait for a debate for him to be asked that so I can hear what he's going to do about it. Hopefully, he actually says some shit and he's not just like, North Korea is a big fucking problem. We need to do this. We need to do this. You know, this is dangerous for everybody and blah, blah, blah. Hopefully, he actually yeah. has some points of like, fuck President Trump. This is what we're doing. You know, I think this and this and this. Bernie's fucking out of here. <laughs> that would be so, nice. I highly doubt we're going to get that. Yes. Yeah. In not so many words. I hope that that's what he says. You right. Know? In not so many. Well, I think that's about it on North Korea, though. Um, I have a couple Unless more questions. More? Yeah. Why do you think that President Trump would lie about the terms of the negotiations? 
because he's always wants to come out on top. He's always wants to present himself as yeah. the winner in any particular situation. Yeah. Period. What do you think motivation North Korea has for lying about this? Do you think maybe to just now that the negotiations haven't gone through, right? They've been trying to show some good faith with like the letters they sent last time. Um because after the negotiations, they sent a letter to President Trump. It's a beautiful yeah. letter he's talked about, right? So they're do you love. think? So do you think now that the negotiations have fallen out, now they're doing this to try and demoralize President Trump and make him look smaller and make them look bigger? Do you think that's a? Because yeah, I could see that as a possible the, motivation. Both, that like both sides are receding into their own corners and they're right. doing their protective stuff to try to make themselves look good. And North so, Korea does that on a daily basis. If, right. If, Whatever ends up happening was supposed to happen in the end because that's yeah, the way the divine God of our, you know, our leader works. And so that's, I mean, that, yeah, it's essentially the same thing on both sides in a yeah. different way. <laughs> Isn't that weird to think about? Yes. They're both, they're both, you know, going back tail between their legs, but their because, uh, heads because, are held up high. Because President Trump is puffing his chest for his base, you know, and for for his supporters, right? Mm -hmm. But Kim Jong-un is doing it for the rest of the world, right? Because if if they can claim that, no, 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 America didn't walk out on us. We walked out on America. We came with a good deal, and they asked for more, and we walked out. Yeah. We we came with good faith, and we walked out because they weren't trying to work with us. Yeah. You know? Then that's they're doing it for the rest of the world, while President Trump is coming home and doing it for... 38% 38% of America that wants him to be president again. <laughs> well, that, and, you know, Kim's also doing it for his people, too. Yeah. Because he needs to keep that de- fanatical devotion of, you know, well... The certain sect of know, his people yeah. that do, that are like that. Because yeah. there's certainly part of them that act that way because that's what they have to do to survive. You know, yeah. how much of the population actually believes that shit and how much of them is ju- are going along with it, no one will ever know until they are, like democratic for 20 years and you know all these people that are alive now are like 80 and they can speak honestly for you know for yeah. a documentary to be like yeah i mean you know, i think i th- i think that uh they it is i don't think it's so much of a you know the truth and you're just shutting your mouth because you know you're going along for the ride because they're in a a total you know for the most part a total information blackout Right. There's there's no way for any outside influence to get in. So they yeah. just it's the village, man. M night Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> it's it's the nation instead of the village. Well that's like um have you ever watched Vice did a documentary that's like forty or fifty minutes long about North Korean work camps in Siberia that they ship people on a train to Siberia, right? And those people don't even know that they're not in North Korea anymore. Wouldn't like they're me. never told where they're going. They're just like, you're going to be in prison forever. You're going to a work camp and they're just on a train for fucking ever. Oh yeah. And they get sent to Siberia. And I mean, I don't know how close North like Pyongyang is to, um, to Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. I, I don't know, but geographically, um, where is it? They're, you know, they're on that train and just, they get sent to Siberia and they're just there. 
You know, yeah. they're just in Siberia at a work camp. And so Vice, before they were all shitty and progressive and fucking terrible, <laughs> um, when they were still legit journalists, they did this small documentary and they went and found a work camp and like, we're talking to these people and they were like, oh, we're in North Korea. It's you such know? a shame what Vice has become. It's sad. It's because sad they used to, to It used to be amazing. Like those one hour specials they do. Oh, yeah. Usually like on a, was it a weekly basis, mm-hmm. I think. So good, man. Vice was quality. War Even torn everywhere, man. It was it was so hardcore. Before they had their own channel and like right in the beginning, they were really good because that's all they were showing when they first came on were all of those these different documentaries they had done for years on the internet that were on YouTube and stuff, you know? Oh yeah. Instead of being in seven ten minute clips they were just on tv because they didn't have commercials from anybody they didn't have it was just programming all the time you know so back in the old uh what was his name shit oh crap i can't remember his name the proud boys guy gavin Gavin mcginnis back when he was there so it's about uh midway through the country about midway north from the dmz yeah and then how far is that to siberia i mean uh if you went this way, along the coast, that's still technically Russia. Which so is probably how they do it. Yeah, um, they send them right along the coast there. Or yeah. ship them over. You never know. Well, these people were on trains. They said specifically okay. these people were on trains and just took. So, you know, there's got to be bridges and whatnot that go Definitely. over these little waterways. That's so. So crazy. To Jordan about, told man. me um, earlier this week that Vice was had to fire like 10% of their staff. <laughs> um, because they they weren't funny, making enough money that they yeah. like they grew too fast and tried to diversify too quickly and just they weren't able to keep up and so they had to fire like ten percent of their staff. Yeah, I mean it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's well, easy. I mean, it's an God. easy miscalculation to do, especially if you're in the midst of an you know an ideological shift as well. Well, they just got so far away from what they were, you know, like what made their name that it's mm-hmm. the the old hbo specials like the first two seasons of the hour-long vice specials are almost unidentifiable when compared to the vice daily news that that happens now you mm-hmm. know like there you almost can't even tell other than the actual cinematographical style i don't know if that's the word cinemagraphic style you know like you can't tell that they're even the same production company yeah um it's content wise right Let's, it's crazy, you know, and even just narrative wise, the way that they are covering what they're covering, you know, oh, yeah. it's because so... they're covering the same type of stuff, but they're covering it so vastly differently mm-hmm. that it's almost unrecognizable. Um, it's, it's crazy. So it doesn't solid it... intersectional journalism. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that, that they're losing money like that. No, you know? not even um, the slightest. But I think that's all that we have as far as North Korea. So we'll, you know, we'll keep you guys updated, obviously, but nothing tangible came out of the summit that happened earlier this week, other than like a really kind of an interesting press conference. Um, but either way, it, it wasn't bad. So yeah, that's it as far as North Korea. Do you want to talk about Venezuela next? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can do Venezuela. Okay. Do you want to take a break or anything first, or are you good to go? Are we good? Okay. So we had touched, what'd you say, a couple of weeks ago? We yes. Touched on it. So this was episode 47 and 48, and we are in episode 51 right now. Okay. So it was just a few weeks ago 
that we talked about Venezuela in two different capacities. Um, one, when the sanctions were put on, I think is the first time that we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And one right it before was, the aid. We first started talking about it when Juan Guaido was voted in as the temporary president, yeah. right? Um, and so we talked about it then, and then the following week we talked about it because a bunch of sanctions had been placed on Venezuela um, by the Fed or by yes. the government. Um, and so those are the reasons we talked about it, and that was like, oh, shit, what were the sanctions here? Um, it was on oil for one, I know that. Yeah, it was on all their oil stuff. I'm just trying to find because I have actual... Um, Seven billion dollars in one day were the sanctions, and eleven billion dollars in a year. Um, and this is just to give a brief overview. But if you guys want to hear more about, it, obviously you can go back and listen to forty-seven and forty-eight. Um, Citgo, which is the American branch of PDVSA, which is the government-run oil company, government-owned oil company. Um, so Citgo is is the arm of that that deals in America. Um, they are able to continue to operate, but all of the money that they are making goes into a blocked account that is controlled by the U.S., right? Yes. Um, and said so the embassy there has been essentially emptied. Um, and let's see here. And then after that, the sanctions were placed on January 29th is when it was, and it was blocking most companies from buying Venezuelan oil and doing business in Venezuela, except for Chevron, Halliburton, and Schuchenberger. Um, really? Yes, they really? are able to continue to do business in Venezuela. That will be important. Remember that I said that Chevron, Halliburton, Schuchenberger. I don't know what Schuchenberger is, but it's one of those big ones, obviously. Um, <laughs> Offshoot of rate or of. Uh... Halliburton. Yes. So to, f- I don't really want to go into the actual discussions like really in depthly about the government. So if you want to hear more about that, then you got to go and listen to the other episodes. Juan Guaido is the only semi-legitimate president that is actually backed by most nations on the planet. Yep. Um, Nicholas Except for Maduro. one of our uh, House representatives. Uh, yes. And her. we will talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Nicholas Maduro is the person claiming to be president, even though he was only elected by a farce election, but he has the support of the military. Some people are defecting, but as of now, he has the support of the military. How long that will go on, we don't know because of the sanctions that were placed on them. His funds are are dwindling daily uh, because he's not able to collect any of the money or even get any money or sell his oil to most people or at least most companies in America. A lot of other countries aren't doing business with him either. Yeah, Um, Yeah, because a lot of those sanctions that are tied to uh, foreign banks, which he has stashed all the money in over the years and, you know, essentially siphoned out of the country. Exactly. And uh, now it's just sitting there and he can't touch it. Yes. Which is something I think we talked about with Juan Guaido is not being able to have access to that money. Right. America's just holding it, right? Which yeah. is really interesting. And and so I want to talk about kind of the the mainstream story, right? Like what the the big story that people are talking about and kind of the narrative that's being pushed in the media. Not pushed, but the narrative that's in the media. And then I also want to talk about the not so talked about narrative that could be going on because I think it's really important to represent both sides, especially when talking about something like this because of things like the Iran Contra scandal, yeah. North Woods, things like that that we've seen, you know, conspiracies that have come out, um, other oil wars that have happened 
Afghanistan, things like that. I think it's important to cover both sides because there is the possibility that sits there that we've seen historically. Definitely. Um, so the mainstream story, <clears throat> excuse me, as we talked about earlier, let me take a drink of water real quick. Get some water. And one thing about the military before we push on, um, since you're drinking, is he has spent Nicolas Maduro, the dictator, almost almost in exile, but not quite, of Venezuela. He he has spent years now essentially solidifying his military around him with loyalists and only loyalists. There has been thousands of people imprisoned and disappeared and so on and so forth that used to be part of the military that not that were not his fanatical supporters. Correct. So this is going to be a massive <clears throat> problem going forth. Is Yes, we have been able to fi- siphon off some people over to... You know, the good side, but he's got the vast majority of them in a, you know, brainwashed. And the money that he has now, because um, we were talking about he still has the support of the military, right, is it's been alleged by Juan Guaido, the uh, the interim president, possibly, yeah. I think is what we're calling him. Um, he alleges that as much as $30 billion has gone missing from the state oil company in recent years since Nicolas Maduro has been there. So if he's able to keep himself afloat, which he's obviously able to do for now... It's from that money that's allegedly been embezzled by him and other people in the government. You know, yeah. no way he has thirty billion dollars all to himself, but the other, the generals, the other people supporting him have that money. You know, if what Juan Guaido is saying is true. Yeah. Um, and so, let's see here. Um, yeah, so that money dries up at some point. Yes, and which would also explain. The absurd inflation that has been going on in Venezuela, right? Mm -hmm. That their money no longer means anything. um, And there is no food there. There's no medicine. There's no social programs that are being, that are happening there, which is a problem because when Hugo Chavez was there, you know, he turned that country pretty much into, I mean, into a socialist economy, you know, and so the government was supporting everybody through all these social programs. And so now that none of that exists because all the money has been taken out of that country, it ain't there. Nobody has anything. Right. And so there are people. And, and when vice was still, when they were still like teetering on good, they were covering Venezuela. They were showing, you know, people that were literally eating out of garbage trucks. Yeah. I I remember those days. Um, It wasn't that long ago. Right. Which is sad. Um, and so because of that, and again, this is part of the mainstream story, because of that, because there's no food, there's no nothing, um, America and other countries have tried to bring aid in to Venezuela through trucks and things like that. Nicolas Maduro, in turn, closed the borders to Venezuela um, through Colombia. Yeah, Bra- via Colombia. Brazil, um, I think, also has a, yeah. a border with Venezuela and maybe one other country. Um, two trucks have were able to get through a border at Brazil, but that is it, right? There's been mm-hmm. all kinds of protests. There's been trucks that have been lit on fire. There is, if you're watching mainstream media, there is a bridge that has been blocked off that people you know that supposedly has been blocked so people can't get across it um that is the tiendatas bridge um yeah which is supposed to be their main from colombia into venezuela yeah um and so you know it's being alleged by america and several other countries that Nicolas Maduro is now just trying to hold on to his power and doing everything he can. And, you know, he's, he's going to starve his people because he's not allowing aid to come through. Um, it's, it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Right. I mean, a couple people have already died. Yes. Yeah. Because and, last week when we were on the show, that was the deadline. 
Yes. Saturday was the deadline for him to do that. They did not. That Juan Guaido said and that President Trump had said because he's backing Juan Guaido. And so that lapsed and there was some push at the struggle or at the border. But uh, nothing major, major has popped off. Yeah, I think there's like 70 people have been injured in all of the... all of the protests that have been going on, I think two people have died. Um, like I said, there's been trucks that have been lit on fire. I mean, trucks yeah. with aid, medical food that's just been destroyed at the border. Um, he has uh, well, John, been I thought, I thought the aid was actually guns and explosives for the army. Which we'll talk about later. Venezuelan National Guard that are at the border that are, you know, that are shooting tear gas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, the other side of this, right, which like I said, I think is very important to represent. That is largely being represented, at least from what I've heard, by The Intercept and Intercepted and things like this and other media sources like that, right? So they are reporting. This all started, at least me looking into this. They're reporting and have proof from satellite imaging. They said that they have somebody who looked through all the satellite images of that bridge for the last several years. And there is not one picture of one car on that bridge ever. Apparently, And that... Um, and that the bridge has never been actually like, uh, operational. Yeah. It's never not operating. There's something else that I'm trying to, something else. Like when you, you know, you take a boat and you smack a bottle of uh, champagne on it. Christened. Yes. Yes. So like that's never happened. It's never been actually like sanctioned by the government for use. Right. <clears throat> An illegitimate bridge. Yeah. So they're saying that they have proof right. And that just a few miles away, there's another bridge that, America and the Red Cross have not applied to be able to cross, hmm. you know, but they're using this bridge of and these images of a bridge with shipping containers across it. They're using that image to say that Nicholas Maduro is stopping us from getting aid in this country via this bridge that is apparently reportedly never been operational. And see, I understand that. I can understand that. And I would be really interested to, to see, but I, I also wonder if there's, extenuating circumstances to that if that is true you know which is sad because coming from the intercept like that it makes me really go okay well they don't they have a tendency to do good investigative journalism yes. so i mean so then is everybody just on board with that it, it just makes it so hard to believe that everyone in the government's position that knows about this doesn't know that that bridge is you know, that's the bullshit bridge. Right. And is everybody on board with, okay, we're just, we need to go invade right. fucking Venezuela and take it over. So we're just all, is this going to be another Iran Contra? Right. You know? And so part of the narrative that is being built by them, right, and, and other media sources that are reporting things like this, right, is that when Maduro got into power, he went away from the Hugo Chavez type plans because he's siphoning money from the government. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's taking all this money out instead of actually governing for the people, right? And all of this is to try and build an narrative that President Trump wants to get in an oil war with Venezuela because they have the largest identified oil reserves in the world, right? So... President Trump's plan and the administration's plan to do that, right, is to back Guaido and sanction Maduro to try and cut off the funds there. Already been done, right? Yep. Next is that the sanctions are not to stop Maduro from the money that he has because he already has that money that he's embezzled, right? But it's really to starve the people and to get the people to turn against Maduro, right? 
um, because if they're not able to get any food or anything because there's no money coming from the government because that's where everybody gets everything from, you know, then Bill hopefully they'll turn you got, over. Yeah, exactly, you revolution right? on your hands. You take the aid trucks, right, which um, <laughs> thought it was really interesting. I didn't understand this particular argument, right, that Jeremy Scahill of Intercepted and The Intercept um, was saying that the amount of aid – that's being brought in on the trucks is negligible to the amount of money that would be given out through the government for the social programs for people, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Also, that if you really wanted to help the people, you would just take all the sanctions off of Venezuela because that's the only way that they're going to get all the support is through the socialist programs that have been instilled there, mm-hmm. right? Jeremy Scahill is a socialist. So, or at least, I don't know that he's ever said that he's a socialist, but carries a lot of socialistic tendencies and beliefs. So it oh, doesn't yeah. surprise me that that is the thought process that he would have. I don't particularly understand how that right. works, but um, that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> and so, so he argues that the aid trucks, which are menial, are really just for show. And that's why they're okay with them being lit on fire. And that's why they're not trying harder to get through the border. That's why they're just sitting at that bridge and saying, well, we can't get across the bridge. It doesn't matter, right? Um, it's just a symbolic gesture from the imperialists. It's, it's symbolic so that the citizens of Venezuela see that the outside world is trying to help them, right? And so... After that, they support a pro-American candidate, right? After they get the people to to overthrow the government, to throw overthrow Nicolas Maduro, they support a pro-American candidate, Nicolas Guaido, or uh, Juan Guaido. Nicolas Guaido. <laughs> Juan Guaido. And they force an election, right? Because you have to have a democratic election, which yep. is, that's always been Venezuela's deal. They're like, well, we're not totally socialist because, you know, we have an election here, even we're, though we're Nicolas social, Maduro, you know, yeah. chooses. We, we're um, a democratic socialist nation. And then at that point, if Juan Guaido is a good enough puppet, you use him to get the oil from Venezuela through commerce. And if you can't do that, then you use this event to try and spin it into some, you know, you, you overthrow Juan Guaido and you start a war in Venezuela so you can go in and you can get the oil just like we did in Afghanistan. I mean, okay. So I think it's a stretch. If you look at it through that lens, you know, yeah, then you, you can like, I can, without asking too many questions, I can follow this line of logic. Yes. But again, like what you talked about earlier, even just that first step, you're like, well, what about this? Like that doesn't, you know, and then yeah. and when you're like, if you really want to help, you got to take all the sanctions away. You know, you're like, well, then he just continues to do what he's doing now, which is embezzle money out of the country and not yeah. give anybody anything. So I don't know how that benefits the people any more than at least some aid since we can't provide billions of dollars worth of aid, right? Yeah. One thing I also... I'm sorry, go ahead. And then we can talk about this. One thing I think is really interesting um, is there are so many people in Trump's base in particular, right? That their argument against the Democrats for the wall, right? Was they're like, oh, Democrats say that we don't have money for a wall, but they want to send money to other countries, you know, for humanitarian aid. Okay. And so that was their deal. It's like, how do we not have money for a wall if we got money for this, right? But now, now that President Trump is like, we got to do something about fucking Nicolas Maduro because this shit's bad over here. You know, people are like, his base is like, yeah, that's fucked up. He's a dictator. Democracy first. We got to get in there. Send that aid and you got you to help those people, you know? It's that's, weird, right? That's it's, the, the blind loyalty to the Trump 
I got train, I know? got family members. I re- I remember specifically like a meme. It was a political cartoon, you know, that was like was like, oh, we don't have enough money for a, for a border wall, and then it's a truck filled with cash that's like support for Central America, you know, and it's fucking flying down the road. And it's like you're so fucking. That's so fucking ignorant. Like yeah, that's is. so ignorant. Like you, ha- I know you're ignorant because it takes two steps of thought to get to a point where you're like, well, that's weird. You yeah, know, like that's contradictory that I said that, but I'm like, <laughs> fucking, you know, send that aid in there, dog. Like, yeah, it's because it's all 4D underwater interdimensional chess. You that's, know? That's, yeah, that's how they I don't know how they justify the the blind yeah. allegiance, man. It's so, so hard. one thing that I can one piece of legitimate evidence that I can lean to that. Right. It's what we talked about earlier. The fact that Sitgo is still operating in America and nope. the money that we're taking, we're holding. We're not giving to Juan Guaido. We are not trying to help him so that he can get more of the military over to him. Be like, yeah, I got money at least for now yeah. to hold you over until I get in the government. And then I got all your money because I, I got all the stuff back, right? So instead of giving it to Juan Guaido, they're keeping it for themselves, right? And there's also certain companies that are still being able to operate in Venezuela, right? Even though, Even though supposedly, you know, we're the number one exporter of oil and natural gas in the world. And we don't even need other countries to support our oil. And, you know, don't worry about Saudi Arabia because we don't need their oil. This is really about us getting money from them for guns, not about oil. You know, we don't need that. Yeah. So why is it? We're still doing it. So why is it that Chevron is able to work there? Halliburton is sketchy the fuck enough when when we're talking about Afghanistan. They're already just keeping their toes in there. So, again, following that, right, there is going to be an oil war. Who's going to be there to, to clean everything up? Fucking Halliburton, just like mm-hmm. they were in the Middle East, right? It's not going to be any different just because it's South America. They're going to be there if they're already there, right? And yeah, that's the modern day, you know, that's what the military complex has, industrial complex. The military industrial know? complex has created a world in which it's okay to go in and essentially wipe out a nation in the you know, the name of liberal democracy and freedom of the people and stuff, but then yes. we're going to rebuild it afterwards. So it's a sketchy fucking business model. So I'm not by any means saying that I'm buying into this other narrative over here. Right. But I am saying that that sticks out to me and that is sketchy because I know that's the truth that these companies are being able to continue to operate there. Chevron, as everybody fucking knows who buys gasoline, is like one of the largest gasoline companies in America, right? One of the largest oil companies in America. Halliburton, as we just talked about, has already been sus as fuck with Dick Cheney rebuilding shit when, you know, going and destroying things under the advice of Dick Cheney and then being rebuilt by his company, you know? So it that's weird. That is sus. That those companies in particular are able to continue to operate in Venezuela. And I said, even with the oil companies, because supposedly we don't need anybody else's oil. You know, we can do it all on our own. Yeah. yeah so I'm why not does black Chevron and white need to keep, that? you know? Yeah, I'm definitely not like black and white on that because I would like to know the reasoning why. Because there might be a, legit, a legitimate reason. Yeah. There might be. And so I don't. Maybe. maybe. You know, there, the possibility really is enough that that could exist, but it does look suspect. I think it's super sus. Especially when you have a company like fucking Halliburton. Yeah. So that's all the notes that I have on Venezuela itself. That's really like up to date with it. But um, <clears throat> I, said, I think it's important to at least note both sides because history has shown us there's a possibility of the government doing sketchy shit, mm-hmm. especially with a president that no one can believe anything that he says. Um, 
and and who's running so on an anti-war platform that it makes me go wait it's convenient what the when hell he needs are you, it to be yeah like are you really gonna just turn around and you know just say fuck it we we have to do that are people gonna blindly walk away from you know the no more foreign war talk and just say fuck it no it's venezuela it doesn't count this isn't the middle east it's different right it's just you know a different fight right i don't know. <laughs> and we talked about a week before this Again, is the same type of like Michael Cohen type of deal. But Andy McCabe, you know, who used to be the deputy director of the FBI, he has claimed in his book that he heard President Trump say that he would love to start a war in Venezuela to get the oil. And it's just in our backyard so we can use the Monroe Doctrine and everything is cool. Mm-hmm. Good. Whether or not you believe Andy McCabe is something else. I'm not telling you that's a fact. I'm telling you that it's been reported in someone's book. So if you think James Comey's full of shit, if you think that um, Andy McCabe is full of shit, if you think that uh, Carl... Carl... Or fucking Bernstein is full of oh, shit, yeah. you know, then then that's fine. But if you think that those people have told the truth, you know, then that is another piece of evidence that lends itself to this narrative that's being propped up mostly by The Intercept, um, at least from what I see. But mm-hmm. it is also important to note that The Intercept has been a notoriously legitimate news source when it comes to facts and I mean, just the um, that they do a lot of quality of their yeah, work, the for, investigative yeah. journalistic quality, reporting on stories that no one else does. Yes, they do a very, very good job, and you know their <clears throat> narrative me. obviously gets pretty wrapped up in it. But yes. as far as uncovering the actual information, they're very, very good at that. And so it—that's what with this one when I. When they're the only one reporting on that, I go, I mean, I, I want to believe a lot. We just have to but, wait because that was yeah. pretty new. That was that episode was only from last week maybe. So yeah. that's still like, especially for them when they're on stuff like this, it's usually a couple weeks before like, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm willing to give it more time and see how legitimate that is. Um, but it's, it, it is being reported. Yeah. So. It is interesting, man. And I mean, God help us. I don't. I don't want anything bad to happen in Venezuela, man. But right. I don't see this getting great anytime soon. It's just going to be. It's going to continue to spiral down. I think until an open revolution. Yeah. And who comes out on top of that revolution without foreign intervention? I don't know. It's, um, I mean, it's <clears throat> bad. So that's all that I have for Venezuela. So we can uh, touch on some ISIS brides if you want. And yeah. Then move into. Uh, just have a little bit of pop culture and then some sports, and then we can get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. Think about that. Uh, so, let's see. The ISIS rides. Uh, Hoda Mutana, and then there's another woman. I don't know what her name is, because yeah. this is the one that has been catching a lot of... This is even a little more pop culture, really. Um, yeah, so, it'll be a good segue topic. So, when she was a college student in Alabama, she left america to go and join isis in syria right go join so, the caliphate um so Return she home. went there and i believe that she re- she renounced her citizenship while she was there i don't know formally or i mean she at one point talked about burning her passport or whether or not she actually did who knows because well she's not because they she has it they just said it wasn't legitimate yeah. right so so she never actually burned it um so and there's there's some gray area around this legally right because when she was born she was born in america but her dad was a 
<clears throat> excuse me, a delegate from Turkey or some something like that, something right? Like that. Is that here? I, I, I want to say a, Turkey. Yeah, I have. A, I can't remember article about it here. I'm sure. Um, and so she was born in America, but the argument, especially from like from the people who don't want her to come back, um, is that it doesn't matter because her dad was um was a foreign, foreign yeah, diplomat. A, right, it was a foreign diplomat and so she wasn't covered under the 14th amendment because she's not covered under these laws by diplomatic immunity. She's covered under the laws of whatever country her dad was um was a diplomat for and but then it says that he was discharged. This is from the Washington Post. Um, but the documents provided by Muthana's lawyer indicate that her father had been discharged from his diplomatic position by the time of her birth on October 28, 1994, by which point her mother had also gained permanent residency status. Um, and when the government revoked the young woman's passport in January 2016, it stated in a letter that she was not a birthright citizen because her father's termination had not officially documented until February of 95, which would be um, four months after she was born, claiming a claim disputed by the family's lawyers who point to notice from the United States mission to the United Nations dating the end of his service to September 1st, 1994, um, which, and so that's, <clears throat> that's where the dispute is that, mm-hmm. um, in the actual, like he stopped working there in September. She's born in October, but the paperwork or whatever, isn't filed until February. Like it's not finalized till February. Yeah. So this is going to be argued until they're in front of some type of grand jury or regular jury that decides this. <clears throat> And she probably won't even be in America when it happens, you yeah. know, because she's not going to be allowed. I think maybe she'll be in Guantanamo Bay or some shit being held until she comes here. I mean, I don't, you oh. know, I don't, because they're not going to, I don't, I don't see them letting her into America to wait, you know, and I don't know where else they're going to hold her right now. She's in um, a Kurdish refugee camp. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, I guess she could stay there, you know, but I don't, if, if they move her from there, they're not bringing her to America. No. You know, so. I don't see that So happening. I don't, I know Guantanamo Bay is harsh, but that's the only thing I can think of for her to go other than coming here, you know. Yeah. Is Guantanamo God, Bay. God, that's just. Maybe they put her up in a barracks or some shit because she's yeah, not know. a terrorist. I don't, I don't know. Or is she? Or is she? Because there's that's also. That's the question. <clears throat> I mean, before you get down, I mean, so right. the legal side is one side of this, right? Yes, and now there's the per because that's that's the legal side, right? Yeah. Now there's the personal argument of whether or not people think, and you think, I think that she should be let back into the country, you know? And I, motherfucker, if you want to go join OIS, join ISIS, then fuck you, you know? Like you chose the caliphate over America, like you and you, when you were there, you actively spoke in favor of terrorism on Twitter and on social media trying to incite violence in America, yep. you know? And now that you say that you're sorry, we're just supposed to say okay? Like, if we found a Jew now, or, or not a Jew, if we found a, <laughs> that's terrible, if we found a Nazi now who was involved in the Holocaust, we would kill them. Like, they would stand trial and they they could possibly face a death sentence. So why the fuck should we take you in now because you say you're sorry? Because almost certainly, if you find a Nazi now who is involved in the Holocaust, he would be like, listen, I fucked up. I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> it's been a long time. I made a horrible mistake. I don't want to die. You know, I'm 90 years old or whatever. But because you're, you know, it's been a couple years and you're like, you know, I, I had like experienced all these terrible things when I made this decision. Like, I'm really sorry. 
you know, we should just be okay with the fact that you actively supported something that's trying to destroy America. It's like, a fine line, isn't it? Like, really? Like what, you know? What, at what point? At, I don't know. Like, the say the, the old Nazi war criminal analogy. That's kind of a hard one, I think, to <clears throat> You think that's against. too harsh? It might be. I, well, I don't know if it's harsh. I think it's just a different situation. Yeah. And... It was the first but, thing that came to mind, the closest comparison I could think of, of a definitely. situation that we might find today. You know, that yeah. you were somebody who was... You know, because there we're talking about know. legitimate open war crimes during, right. you know, nations at war and stuff. Whereas and here, hers this are is disputed. This, yeah, and this is a, a terrorist organization that said they founded a nation within a nation. And I, mean, I guess you treat them like a rebel group. Yeah. But, you know, what you do with the... You know the the casualties of you know the the war fallout. I, as far as I'm concerned, you've made your bed and you're gonna have to lie in it. Yeah. If you were captured and all that, I mean, you're just up to the mercy of whoever captures you, man. I don't. And the Kurds got you. Yeah, which Kurds are some hardy hardy folk. That's why she's in a fucking you know chain yeah. link fence camp and yeah. not allowed to leave. Yeah, because, I mean, what do you do about that? I mean, they're essentially, as far as the Kurds are concerned, anyway, they're prisoners of war. Yep. What do you do with that? I don't I don't know. And as far I as don't know West what the Kurds do concerned, with that. As far as, like, we're concerned, should we let her into our country? I'd say absolutely 100% not. Well, the administration doesn't, you know, feel the same way. President no. Trump said that he had ordered uh, Mike Pompeo to not grant her citizenship or entrance to the country. So. Yeah, I mean, and I don't see how you can... You made Excuse a mistake. Me. Well, guess what, man? Some mistakes you can't walk away from. Right. That was bad enough. There's plenty of other Western nations that might take you, maybe. Go, you know, or you made your bed, you're going to have to lie in it, maybe. That's I like, um, so maybe, here, let me give you another It does example. seem kind of inhumane yeah. when I'm just like, well, fuck it. She can burn in hell and, you know, deal with the shitty situation she's in. But I don't know. So let me give you another comparison, right? Um, a couple of weeks ago, when I was home with a baby, I was watching the news, and I don't remember where, but I saw a story of a kid who had came up with a come up with a whole plan to execute a school shooting, um, and was stopped beforehand by his grandma. Like he had guns, he had a plan, he had a whole deal. Wow! Still going to prison, you know. Because he planned out this elaborate plot on how to murder excessive amounts of people at his school, you know? Yeah. So that guy's still going to prison for planning this out, even if she didn't actually carry out any war crimes. Even if what she says is true, right? All she did was go and she got married and she had some consensual sex, some non-consensual sex. She had some kids. She got divorced. She had whatever, you know, all this. And now she ran away because she realized she made a mistake. If we're not forgiving this kid for not killing anybody, why should we forgive her for turning to, again, a terrorist organization that wants to destroy America, that actively spoke about killing Americans? Mm -hmm. You know, why would we allow her to not at least do prison time? You know, even if she does come back, she's going fucking prison. You know, if there's no reason she shouldn't go to prison, if we're going to hold that kid accountable for what he did, why would we not do that for her? Because yeah. if you're gonna go, if you're I'm gonna trying go, to find arguments for letting her like just back in. Because if you're gonna go, I, just, I don't um, see it. If you're gonna join the caliphate, you're gonna do whatever they tell you to do. 
You've become an so enemy at the state at that point. If they decide that you're going to kill people, you're going to kill people, you know, and which would be, from what I understand, abnormal because she's a woman. But if that's what they decided for whatever reason that you're going to kill people, she would have. That's to do what it. you're going to do, yeah. you know. So I don't. I what don't do you know, do with you know? That? Just because I don't know, you know, it, it seems strange. It's it's a it's a weird gray area morally. And for her sake, she it's unfortunate timing that she came out during the Trump administration, you know, because if Hillary Clinton, maybe not Hillary Clinton, if there was another <laughs> Democrat in office, then she might stand a chance of having that executive argue in her favor, you know, that she made a mistake. Come back, let her stand trial, you know, let her do this and blah, blah, blah. And President Trump says, fuck her. You know, she's not coming here. We're not giving her a certificate. We're not giving her nothing. She's staying there. You did this, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't see anybody, like I said, telling her she can just come back and live here. You know, I think even a Democrat of the most progressive order, you know, would say she has to come back and stand trial for what she did so we can bring some some uh, witnesses and see whether or not she actually did anything. You know, we have to let the federal government, the FBI investigate, the CIA investigate, see if she did anything. You know, if she can be tied to any crimes. Mm. And then we can decide what happens to her. Which crimes? Because, you know, there's got to be a... It would take forever. That's what I'm saying. She would come back and sit in jail until that happened. And so she'd be in there for years until they decide whether or not she stays there or she gets to, you know, go free. Is, you know, screw Guantanamo. Let's just take back over Australia. Let's just oh, make Australia the Just put everyone Elon. there? No, 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 no. That's okay. what we used to do, right? New, new pet project for Elon Musk. The moon is now... Super the, prison? That's super prison. Ooh, have you ever seen the show Super Jail on, uh, on no. Adult Swim? Oh, it's fucked up. Super Jail. Yeah, Super Jail. I think there's a really crappy Jared, Gerard Butler movie about like a prison on the moon or something like that. There, it's there's a uh, Sylvester Stallone movie about how he's like the best escape artist ever, and they build a super jail, and he gets brought in to try and break out of it because I think maybe I haven't seen it right, but someone has a plot to escape or they did escape and they don't know how, but then I believe it turns out that it's really a plot to just keep Sylvester Stallone in prison. Oh, so then he has to find a way to get out. You know, <clears throat> man, super jail. That's. You know what movie did that the right way? The Rock with Sean Connery. You got out of Alcatraz once. You oh, get a team of commandos oh. in. That's such a great movie. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Nick That's Cage funny. and Sean Connery? Fuck yes, Nicolas Cage. Please. I love everything that he does, including all the terrible garbage. Because <laughs> it's just another type of experience, man. Yeah, that's kind of where we land on the ISIS brides, I guess. Don't know what to do with them, but if they come back, they got to answer for their crimes. Yeah. That's kind of what boils down to, I think. That's really where it's at, that it's really at this point a matter of opinion. Um, well, kind of. Um, well, the legal question works yep, itself out. Exactly. If they are not citizens at all, they have no rights here anymore. They denounce your citizenship and you become an expatriate. You, are no, you no longer have any legal rights other than, you know, our god-given human rights or whatever that we impose on other nations right man i'm telling did you ever listen to that hardcore history addendum no that latest one oh my god no i didn't you you have to because it is essentially his it's like this other guy um what is his name i'm gonna butcher his name but he's an italian historian podcast guy um and i'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name but it's 
essentially just a very like a longer form version of his common sense podcast that he used to do where he talks politics but he is speaking to a historian and they're talking they're rooting all of their conversation in historical fact but they're talking about the present day situation word so it is a cheater version of a old common sense and they they implanted this this idea as america as an empire right mm-hmm. and one of these days i would like to talk to you about this but essentially it's america is an empire in no question when you think about if our product is a is the western values you know mcdonald's starbucks oh, yeah. that type of thing yeah then we've infected the majority of the world we have done that in essentially a capitalistic empire or even just militaristically well yeah i mean and that's you know that we always argue is under the eyes of national security or you know you can even call it nation building at that it's time more but, about us than them yeah and but in this case this this is just pure western democracy right being capitalism. pushed on other people yeah. through capitalism and it really got me thinking i was like man i can't not see america as an empire now not necessarily that i disagree with empire. it but in, in the modern sense yeah an empire that has so much economical oh. control over most of the world the developed world at least right it's crazy so, yeah, ISIS brights. <laughs> <laughs> but listen to that yeah. podcast because it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for the ISIS brights. So we can hit up a little bit of pop culture if you want. Then we can get some sports and get the fuck out of here. Woo woo. So pop culture. Um, there's going to be a movie about Ted Bundy. I don't know if I told you this or not. Uh, there's going to be a movie about Ted Bundy. And Zach Efron is going to play Ted Bundy. <laughs> People are fucking pissed. They're pissed that they're using somebody who's so handsome like Zach Efron to play Ted Bundy. Uh, but that was, oh, I don't think Ted Bundy was a good looking guy because I exist in modern day. But from what I understand, for like the 70s, he was a really good looking guy. You know, that's oh, yeah. what everybody always talks about. He was super handsome and really charismatic and shit. So, like, that seems like right, like right up what you want is to have a Zach Efron, you know, to like to play Ted Bundy. Well, I mean, at one point, President Trump was compared to Rob, the good looks of Robert Redford. <laughs> so, just saying, yeah. No, I totally believe you. That's funny. And so now they're going to have a modern good-looking guy, huh? Is he I'm trying to think? Oh, yeah, no. He's that pretty boy like in uh, Neighbors. Is that that movie? Yes. Yep. Okay. That is. That's Zac Efron. Also, you know, I used um, to hate on Zac Efron so much because he was well, such like He used like to be a tool. And yeah. Now he's pretty all right. But he's funny. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really a, he's a good funny. comedic actor, man. Neighbors is a, is a really funny movie. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to see that because there's something terrifying about like a beautiful psychopath. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think that was kind of the American history, or no, American uh, Psycho, American Psycho. You yeah, know, where Christian had, Bale. Yeah, good looking Christian Bale, but he's also a total fucking psychopath, murdering people. Yeah, yeah. That'd um, be interesting. So, R. Kelly. R. Kelly is um, going to jail. Yeah, they had the whole uh, the whole fucking documentary that came out about him surviving R. Kelly, you know, that alleged all these different sexual abuses. And um, so last week, R. Kelly pled guilty, pled not guilty, sorry, not guilty on, excuse me, all 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse. Um, and I wrote down here that 
Michael Avenatti, mm-hmm. porn lawyer for Stormy Daniels. He was the one that gave the video over to the investigators that helped get R. Kelly indicted. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I love every second of Michael that. fucking Avenatti. So I thought that was really interesting. So, oh, man. Let's see. Excuse me. I'm so sorry about my nose. How did he get them tapes? Cook County State Attorney Kimberly Fox confirmed the alleged abuse took place over 12 years. Four victims involved. Three of them were underage at the time of the abuse. Yeah. As for the $1 million bond, um, Kelly wasn't able to pay the 10% required release for complete police custody. So he does not have the $100,000 to get out of jail. So wow. he's just going to have to go ahead and sit there. Poor R. Kelly doesn't have 100 k sitting around? Nope. Wow. Better get on. You better get your real estate lawyer on the phone and sell that fucking, you know, sex cult house that you got going on, Bo. Yeah, because that's essentially what this all kind of boils down to. He was running some kind of weird sex cult type thing yes. out of his house, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. I, I have not watched the documentary. I might look for it now because I I don't know like the exact details but yeah i know that there's like people being chained up and shit and like being forced to do stuff and yeah all kinds of bad shit i've heard so. some real crazy stories about that yeah um i mean Chappelle, drip 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 on you and then you. the one last thing i want to talk to you about is like a little bit of a heavier thing but also not because i heard someone social media you know, yeah. doesn't matter where <laughs> people are making the argument of like uh when Ralph Northam got called out for the picture where he's in blackface and he's standing with the person who's dressed in the KKK outfit, mm-hmm. right? People who are like, well, like it was a different time, you know, like it was the eighties and like, you know, people like people just thought about like things differently and blah, blah, blah. And like, I've like heard people make that argument, you know, and I'm like, that's fine. That doesn't make it not racist, you know, like just because like, like I, I have family members like, you know, generations back that were in the KKK and like, if they were around now, that wouldn't make them not racist, you know, just because they like it was a different time. You know, at that at that point, we were just hanging black people. And like, that's what people were doing. You know, we didn't think that like they were equal and like everything is whatever. Like, like, I don't understand that argument, you know, just because it was no. the 80s doesn't mean it's cool to do blackface because you, it wasn't you know, cool in the 80s. In, first in the, of all, right. It would be right. You might be able to make that argument if it was in the 50s. Because it was still pretty widely people are doing spread. movies in blackface. Yeah, like, but even then, you still have. I mean, you it can't was be still racist. racist. Yeah, it like was it, still. You know, and then you could say, you know, my bad. It was terrible. It was in poor taste. Blah blah blah. But you can't justify it by the timeline. Yeah. So but you can say that you know I haven't thought about I haven't thought that way in a long time. Right. I am not the same person. Well, and then he and then but, he lied about it, and that was the like, and that's at the end. Because I had a discussion with somebody about it. Um, and at the end, I'm like, and it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not you're like, it was a different time, blah, blah, blah. He lied about it. You know, in the end, he lied about it. And that's what really matters is that he he would maybe have a chance of redemption if he said, I fucked up. Like, I went to a party, made a mistake that, like, I thought it was funny, it was cheeky, whatever. I realize now that that's racist as shit. And I should never have done that. Instead, he was like, yeah, that's me. Oh, no, that wasn't me. That's bullshit. That's not me. I didn't do that. I didn't have no. nothing to do with that, you know? You shouldn't yeah. have lied about it, and then maybe you would be okay. But yeah, if you didn't no, lie about it, no chance because you lied about it. Yeah, you know, Ralph um, Northam is so screwed. So let me ask you about something, right? Because I have a personal experience that I want to ask you about, right? When Ooh. I was in the fifth grade, 
My teacher's name was Mr. Weatherby. 2005, by the way, I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> just, just so that you know. So you're a graduate. <laughs> That hurts my soul. Um, so I was in Mr. Weatherby's class, and there was another teacher. I don't remember what her name was because she only taught there for like one year, Miss Jacobson. Because um, you drove her insane. She <laughs> No, she wasn't my teacher. Um, her class did a project where they had to pick a historical figure, and, like dress up as them and like write out like a biography, and like they did a, a wax museum deal. Okay. Right? Where you sat up there, and like all of the fifth grade classes, we walked through and saw it, right? Was one kid that I knew. Same Tyler. I don't want to use his last name, right? So, but this kid Tyler that I knew, the creator. He, yep. So we're in the fifth grade, right? So we're like eleven years old or something like that. So Tyler picked the creator picked Oprah Winfrey. Okay, right. So in Tyler's, uh, who is a male, just so that everyone knows, you just so that there's no, you could name a girl Tyler probably. Um, just so he picked Oprah, right? So in his attempt to be a wax figure of oprah he totally like painted his skin brown like on his face and his arms and shit right so when we're fifth grade we're like motherfuckers being oprah right as an adult i can look back and be like motherfucker was in blackface and we didn't know that because we were 11 right this is so okay so yeah it, it like what's the verdict on that you the know? verdict on that is Megan Kelly got canned for saying some shit like that. <laughs> that's that's the social verdict. But my verdict on that is it all comes down to intent. Yeah. And there's no way to prove intent, right? And so, you know, we hear especially around Halloween time now like, mm-hmm. you know, if if a little white kid likes listening to, you know, some kind of black hip-hop artist or something and yeah, wants to dress, dress up like them. Or, yeah. You know, you just... Today, you're not allowed to do that because it's racist it's to racist. do that. It's cultural appropriation. To even dress up as like, you know, yeah. like a Native American or anything. Like a traditional Native American garb is racist. Yeah, and the minute you tell an innocent kid that he can't do that, you've just now made him... Like, you've given him the intersectional look at different people, different that, races. Like, now he has that embedded in his head, whereas before... He just liked that person for X number of reasons, period. Like this year, I remember, you know, the movie Moana? Yes. You know, so there was all kinds of controversy around people letting, not even letting, people's kids who were not Pacific Islander being Moana for Halloween. They're like, that's cultural appropriation that you're taking our fucking Disney movie away from us, you know, and your kid wants to be Moana. That's fucking racist. Like, you're fucking kidding me, right? You're saying that my six-year-old is racist because she wants to be fucking Moana? Like, so she can't, she can't be Moana. She can't be the woman from the, from the princess and the frog. She can't be any of this shit. If you're black, you can't be Snow White. If you're Asian, you can't be Snow White. You can't be fucking Cinderella, but you can because you're Asian. So you can have whatever you want because you've been fucking marginalized for so long that if you do it, it's not racist to do something that, you know, was a white person. That's not cultural appropriation because white people don't have culture anyway. You know, it doesn't, their culture is just robbing people of their culture. That's what white people have. Yeah. Like that's that's a real argument. Like people really say that shit. I've heard that. You know, I don't. I've read that. I've read people say that. Like so, I don't. What you're the fuck on, are you talking about? You're on such a roll, man. I wanted to to much. input my Asian Harvard lawsuit there. <laughs> we couldn't do that. Asians are they do not count as repressed when it comes to uh, the university. Pro- you're right. Institution. You're right. Um, but no, that's Asians aren't in all reality. Anymore. 
this is the reality of intersectional politics playing out because you group everybody in their little tribes and their little groups and you can't do anything outside of that group yeah because of the oppression hierarchy so on and so forth and it is complete and utter nonsense and if people like fucking rashida talib cannot understand that that by pointing out that as a racist act that in itself now makes you racist because the old adage of you can't be racist against white against white people is complete and utter bullshit. You can totally be racist against white people. Yeah. You could be racist against anybody. Yeah. That's it's horrible. It's garbage. Uh, so so that's, is that computer glitch I keep getting. <laughs> uh, that's all that I have as far as pop culture. So we can move into sports if you want. Word. Let me oh wait, you haven't been playing any video games. Uh I have not. Not this week. Okay, but I'm, I don't have anything to do today, so I'm gonna go home and like maybe try. Have you been playing? Have, yeah, and you haven't touched really Fallout yet, right? I played Much. it a little bit, but not really. Okay, you know? one of these days we want to talk about that because yeah. I have, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to get Jake in here to talk about that too. I this would game love Anthem. for Jake to be back in here because we've been playing this game Anthem, Carolina. I think she's awesome streaming it, it on Twitch, and which, by the way, she'll kill me if I don't plug her. At Lexi Afikayo, it'll yeah. be right here, probably <laughs> in the edit. I love that I could do that now. That's hilarious. Oh yeah, we we could do that. So if you ever feel like, hey, cool. boom, let's do that. <laughs> Deal. But yeah, it's 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 weird this tack that certain video games are playing now. Um, their styles are 100% online, right? Right. But there's like a main campaign that you go that you can essentially do by yourself, but or with other people. Yeah. And then, but then there's this whole open world kind of right, kind of destiny right. type thing. In you just kind of run but, into people sometimes. Yeah, but anyways, we'll uh, we'll save that for next time we get Jake on. We can talk about video games. Yeah, later. yeah. But other than that, pop culture news. I don't I don't think there's anything. You know, we we had mentioned the Jesse Smollett thing, and that's worked itself out. I don't think we even need to touch on that. That's about no. as old news now as you can get. If you want to know about Jesse Smollett? Go somewhere else. Yeah, right. That happened no, during the snowpocalypse, so we yeah. missed it. <laughs> um, so let's see here. So we'll move into sports. Um, so let me go down to the bottom of my phone here. Oh, man, I got to pee so bad. You want to okay. take a break before sports so, or you want to power through? No, I got this. Okay. You got this. So I listened to Arian Foster has a podcast, and he had Martellus Bennett on there. Martellus Bennett is a tight end. He used to be a tight end. Um, he's brothers with Michael Bennett. He used to be a DN for the Hawks right now. He plays for the Eagles. He said that they are so not competitive with each other that they would rarely ever line up over each other when the teams played each other because they so badly didn't want to compete with each other. And Ooh. so Michael Bennett used to switch with Cliff Averill after Martellus Bennett would set on the line, he would switch to the opposite side so he didn't line up over his brother, which I thought was fucking cool. That is cool. Um, That's an unhealthy competition to feed, bro. We don't need to do that. Yes, especially in the NFL like that. That's like uh, Jason Kelsey, who he just he signed a contract extension. I just read about it today. One-year extension with the Eagles. His brother, Travis Kelsey, is a tight end for the Chiefs. You know, oh. There's a, like a couple of things that the, the fuck, Tremaine – uh, he's like he's the youngest corner to ever get a reception in the league. Oh. Youngest rookie ever get a reception in the league. Half this year's nineteen. Oh, why yeah. did you have to tell me that? Yep, that hurts my soul. Um, no college or one year college probably. Uh, two, I think. Two, yeah. Young um, gun. Pull this thing down. If you're gonna look at your phone. Yep. Yeah, pull it right in front of your face. There we go. Okay, so let's get it. 
The Ravens, they are cutting wide receiver Michael Crabtree. He only played one season there, I think. I'm pretty sure the season before he was with the Raiders still. Um, the Panthers released veteran corner Captain Munderland. The Browns signed left tackle Greg Robinson to an extension. The 49ers placed their franchise tag on their kicker, Robbie Gould. Mm. Um, and the Cowboys D-end Randy Gregory is suspended indefinitely for violating the league's substance abuse policy violation and violating his conditional reinstatement. So what did he get? Randy Gregory. Um, I think this is the fourth time that Randy Gregory has pissed dirty for smoking weed. And so oh. now he is suspended indefinitely for a minimum of one year. Um, and so, so gotta, he's got to hurry up and nationally legalize that shit. So that this, uh, well, so-called performance enhancing drug. And only worse news to come later that week when defensive tackle David Irving last night is suspended indefinitely for violating a substance abuse policy because he has been uh, popped more than one time for weed. Smoking weed? Yep, for weed. Uh, so that is two big, big players on their D-line for the Cowboys that they are also going to have to fill this offseason because they're both suspended, like I said, for at least one year. Um, you well, know. Hank Hill will be happy about that. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill lately. That's funny. Uh, free agent corner Adam Pacman Jones, who is no I'm Pac-Man Jones. So he's known for being a super dirty player. Yeah. Um, also for like some nefarious activities. He got arrested in Indiana for public intoxication and for trying to cheat in a casino. Oh. So he got arrested in a casino. He's oh. also like he played for the Broncos for a couple of games last year. And before that, he played for the Bengals. And his last season with the Bengals in a playoff game, it might have been the wild card game against, and it was against the Steelers. They had a late and dirty hit on Antonio Brown. And then later that night on Twitter, he accused Antonio Brown of faking his injury. And then Antonio Brown missed the next game because of concussion because he got fucked so hard oh. by Adam Pac-Man Jones. Yep. Pac-Man Jones is kind of a piece of shit. Um, I guess. The Jags are picking up Jalen Ramsey's fifth-year option. Jalen Ramsey, nasty good corner. Jason Witten, tight end for the Cowboys. He retired two seasons ago. Last season, he was a commentator. He's coming out of retirement to play one more season for the Cowboys. What? So, <laughs> so he signed a one-year, three-and-a-half million-dollar deal. It's going to be crazy. I guess um, once you go commentator, you can go back. Because <laughs> that was a saying. Um, Demarius Thomas. Damn, I forgot to look this up. Demarius Thomas got arrested for vehicular assault. Um, so I will have to keep Whoa. that one on here so I can look it up next week because I forgot to look that one up. Um, Dude. Yeah. That's a heavy one. So I don't have any details on that one. So I'm sorry about that. Um, I heard that the Raiders, the Redskins, and the Titans have all showed interest in Antonio Brown. And I think that the Titans have a great quarterback in Marcus Mariota. If he's got some good weapons, which they started to develop last year in the form of Corey Davis and when Delaney Walker is healthy because he was out all year last year. Um, Derrick Henry started to come out last year. They've got good players over there in Tennessee. So if they can get... They had, they had Antonio. That might be a nice piece because Marcus likes to, likes to sling that shit. Yeah. So, so I could see that. Um, Ravens running back Alec Collins. He got arrested last night after, um, after it's like his, he got into a car accident. Um, and 
when the cops showed up, he was asleep in the car, right? He said that he was taking one of his friends home and they went off the road because it was snowing. And so then his friend walked the rest of the way home and Alex Collins stayed there. And when the cops came, he had a gun and a jar of five ounces of weed in his car. And so when they went back to his apartment, they searched his apartment and found more weed and, but only like 10 grams of weed, which is stupid as fuck. Um, which would like explain why he, supply. which would explain why he's got all that weed because he just mm-hmm. running out of weed. So he had to go buy more. Um, but then he has the gun and shit in his car. And I know, I think in Baltimore, that's like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and then tight. last night he got waived by the team. So he's, he is no longer going to be, uh, playing for Baltimore, which sucks because he's like really a pretty good running back. Um, the Eagles agreed to a three-year extension with Dean Brennan Graham. And then, like I said, the Eagles and Jason Kelsey agreed to a one-year extension. Uh, Oregon signed a new defensive coordinator from Boise State, Andy Avalos. So that's pretty nice. I like that. Baseball contracts. That's what I was going to look up. The I, largest I baseball this. contracts. Yep, I got this. I got this. Okay. I'm Biggest thinking baseball contracts. Alex Rodriguez is in the list. He is definitely on the list. Definitely. Um, twice. So let's see here. The top one, $330 million, Bryce Harper with the Phillies for 13 years. The last one, $325 million. John Carlos Stanton signed with the Marlins for 13 years. Uh, Manny Machado, which I forgot to talk about last week, he signed with the Padres for 10 years, $300 million. Jeez. Um, fourth is 275 for A-Rod with the Yankees for 10 years. Five is Nolan Arenado, $260 million for the Rockies for eight years. After that is A-Rod again, 252 for the Rangers for 10 after that, Miguel Cabrera, the Tigers, eight years, 248. Uh, after that, Albert Pujols, Allen for the Angels, 10 years, 240. Robinson Cano for the Mariners, 10 years, yep. 240. Uh, Joey Votto, Reds, 10 years, 225. David Price, Red Sox, seven years, 217. Clayton Kershaw, Dodgers, 215, seven years. Man. Yeah. People say football salaries are overrated. At least they're putting their life on the line. Literally. Motherfucker, I'm saying. Now what we know, knowing what we know about CTE, you know, it's like, okay, well, I don't feel so bad now because you're probably going to have a really short lifespan and you're going to probably end up doing really something terrible right. that you don't even know you're doing. Whereas baseball, I mean, I get it, athletic, so on and so forth, but yeah, it's baseball. You got a piece so bad, don't you? Yeah, no, I got this. Because all so, we're gonna do is a line, and then we're out of here. That's right. I'm just standing. Lay it up. on me. Sorry if I'm if I'm on your. No, thing. you're good. Oh, what are we gonna do here, man? What are we gonna do? You know, to just accept the fact that you're white trash. Okay, look at yourself. You can't do backflips. You can't do karate. You're white trash. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh.